Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. Bono final well, f- finale. Um, the last UK pay-per-view bonus episode of the Attitude Era special edition. Hello everyone once again, I'm Kevin Madden. Joined as I'm always in these UK pay-per-view exclusives live on Sky Box Office. He's been there, he's done that, and he certainly thinks it's all about coffee. Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. Hello there, Kevin. Are you excited to be talking about rebellion? Complete and utter rebellion. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I can't believe it's the last UK one of the uh, Attitude Era, right? I know, and people often go to us kind of go, wow, you know, it's... One thing that the Attitude Era podcast, I think, has shown a lot of people is that the Attitude Era was ups and downs mm. in terms of not just the style and the content and the quality, peaks and troughs throughout it, but no more is that more encapsulated than the fucking roller coaster ride that is the UK exclusive pay per views. Yeah, they're madhouses. It's ridiculous. When we started off with these, and I was like, right, in the chronology, as we're going along, let's just do these UK pay per views. Like, yeah. oh, that's going to be fine. And fucking hell, after doing Mayhem in Manchester. Yeah. I was like, what have I done? That and Capital <laughs> Carnage, it was a bit of a bumpy start, wasn't it? But they've no shown. Mercy, the UK yeah, one as well, true. where everyone was tired. Yeah, really sad pay-per-view. And then we had like Insurrection and of course Rebellion 99, which were better. They've shown that they can still put on good shows. Like even if the show itself is weak, the wrestling is you know, usually pretty good on UK pay-per-views. So. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And I mean, if there was a time to be impressed, it's certainly this, because we're in Sheffield. Yeah, <laughs> Sheffield. <laughs> Fucking Sheffield. Sheffield, a really random choice, isn't Seriously, it? Seriously, like, that are like Newcastle or something. I mean, it is, it's a it's a big city still, but it's not one of the major England cities you think of, like as an American, I'm sure. Anyway, yeah, like, definitely. When you think of going over to England, you don't necessarily think of Sheffield. You think of Manchester and London, Liverpool, maybe. Like. Yeah, no, it's no one tonight cuts any Sheffield-centric promos. No, there's one. There's actually one. Like, oh, really? We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Right to censor, we'll get to that later. Fantastic. Well, we're in Sheffield. It's time for some rebellion. It's Rebellion 2000. All you guys have had your lives intertwined for a very long time. I needed a way to solve the WWF Championship puzzle. It's the fatal four-way for the WWF Championship. Big Foley, you have finally lost your mind. It doesn't matter to The Rock. Whether it's four guys, three French hens, two turtle doves, or one big fat monkey nipple sitting in the pear tree. Fatal four-way. Four uniquely different superstars, all with one common goal. I would do anything, and I mean anything. I've always said, if you ain't in the World Wrestling Federation to be the champion, you've got no business being here. It's the fatal four-way for the WWF Championship, and that is final. We start off with Mick Foley arriving in a cab with uh, the words commish on the front. Yeah. Which is like, uh, that might be false advertising. When you go to the UK and you take a black cab, chances are you won't get your own nameplate, but you will get a protracted, possibly racist conversation. <laughs> That's what should have, Foley should have come out of that car going, okay, you're right, yeah, Polish people are rude in Sheffield, I get it, man, <laughs> you know, whatever. But um, that would be my experience as a black cab. Immediately, like the very first shot of the pay-per-view, they're doing wrestling wrong. Because everyone knows the show starts off. I mean, if it starts off with a car pulling up, it's like a mysterious limo. You're like, Who's it be? Who's it going to be? Like, whose foot is that stepping out of the it's car? It's Vince McMahon. It says commish on the, you know, it's like Vince turning up in a, a license plate that says 
the owner of the company. Yeah, Vince won, like in the yeah. Beano or something like that. Takes all the fun out of it, you know? Bit of a, a bit of a swerve there. Coming out, Mick Foley, uh, kind of, I like to imagine that he was an eccentric Stephen Fry-like character and that he just bought uh, his own taxi <laughs> and drives around with it with Deborah. And yes, Deborah, the Lieutenant Commissioner. What does that mean? She is a worthwhile and necessary addition to this act. Absolutely. Seriously, and Mick Foley as well, of course. And a much more important addition to this act has got a fanny pack on it. Yeah, so you, you laugh now at Mick Foley, folks, but when it comes to going to Sheffield Airport... Well, how do you think he paid for that cab, my friend? He's got his boarding pass, yeah. his, his money, his traveller's checks. There'll be no fiddling around with bags at the airport No, he's like, Mick. hang on, let me reach near my dick and get what I need <laughs> for you, you know? And we may be delaying the inevitable here. I sat down with this and I was, ge- I was genuinely worried. Because Adam, Adam and Billy both moved away, so this is the first time we've recorded in a long time. And I was like, okay, we're going to, you know, me and Adam are going to record a bit of Rebellion. And the product at this point in the timeline, for my taste, is almost too good. Yeah. And I was like, can we just sit down and watch a fucking awesome show, potentially, with great wrestlers and logical storylines and it'd be fun. But don't worry, folks. Here on a white horse to save the day, the commentators for tonight, Adam, are <laughs> Jim Ross and Taz. It's Taz. The human podcast machines themselves. Now, we can finally talk a little bit about Taz on commentary. I, I honestly thought he, we never would get to see it during the Edge era. No, I know, but here you go already. Like, Fucking amazing. L- like what, has it been less than 12 months since the Royal Rumble mm. and he's already at the commentary desk yeah, in seriously. England talking about things with JR. Like, they started off that Taz was as an offshoot of the you know him feuding with the commentators JR and, mm. and Jerry. An offshoot that was that he started like... Uh, commentating on you know something like heat, heat yeah. saying he was better. He did a few spots on SmackDown, and then he became the full time Heat commentator. Mm. With a view that later down the line, two thousand one, he would become the the SmackDown commentator. Yeah. What do you think of Taz as a commentator? Now, the incredible thing I think about Taz is he's the one person I think that when he's with Michael Cole, he's actually great. Like you think about yeah. like WrestleMania twenty, the matches they call yeah. together, like and Ang- as well, yeah. Guerrero. They did a great job, like in SmackDown, those two as an announced team. With anyone else, Taz is piss poor. I think I, Cole and Taz is always a team that I think is one of the most overlooked teams ever. Completely underrated. But you have to look at that as like when were those two doing commentary in, in its heyday? And the real peak when people associated with the, the rise of Lesnar and whatnot was mm. when Heyman was booking SmackDown. Yeah. And that's because Heyman allegedly used to drag in oh, Cole. Of course, yeah. He used the, to drag in tape shows. Yeah, they would do a tape show so uh, Heyman would insist that Taz and Cole would come back to Stanford and reshoot and re uh, Without Vince record. getting his fingers in it. And, and like it shows because these guys had amazing commentary. Yeah. But apparently they hated the fact that they had to do it. So it's the management then, basically. It was how yeah. they were handled as commentators. I think Taz has had some amazing moments as a commentator. <laughs> Which depends tonight, what you mean by amazing moments. Tonight like. is not one of them. I mean, I think some of the big calls, particularly him with Lesnar, I thought he always got Lesnar over. But <laughs> fucking hell, tonight is not one of those nights. Although one of the Lesnar calls that you're a fan of. F5 coming. <laughs> Tonight, if he could win, he's going home a champion. <laughs> I will say Taz on the SmackDown games was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Taz and Joey Styles, like, hey Joey Styles, what do you weigh? About 150 pounds soaking wet with a brick in your pocket? I don't know, Taz. I've never weighed myself soaking wet with a brick in my pocket. Brilliant. Be that as it may. <laughs> Taz and commentary is like, I'm jazzed. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to come close to his running TNA, though. 
This Zima Ion is like a damn video game, he's so talented. None of that here tonight. JR, I think, is a good person to have with your first kind of big yeah, outing. Yeah, try and rein him in a little bit. And I like kind of, you know what, if it's a choice, a toss-up between having fucking Michael P.S. Hayes again for the UK yeah, show. Yeah, that's definitely true. I like the music because it's, it's a big show, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a big audience. It's a good chance for him to kind of, you know, swing, sink or swim, basically. Yeah. Throw him out here, so big excited for this. Or formulaic main event for tonight is a fatal four-way for the WWF Championship, which Kurt Angle still holds. We're not going to get into the storylines too much here, folks. We're going to save that for, for Armageddon and Rumble, mm -hmm. obviously. But things are pretty much in the same pattern as they were coming off of Survivor Series. You've got Angle as your champion, Austin has his comeback, Rock and Rikishi still at odds, and Triple H has been dropped off a car. Rock says in tonight, it doesn't matter if there's four people in the main event, two turtle doves, or one big fat monkey nipple sitting in a pear tree. What are you on about, mate? What are you on about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I will say, I think this may be the closest ever that The Rock comes to having an off night. Yeah. And it, yeah, I'd agree with that. Compared against The Rock, that's what I mean. Against mm. everyone else, it's still A+. Yeah, but for his standards. Not so good. Opening up the show, Mick Foley comes out with Deborah, which is yeah. it's an awkward pairing. Yeah, really awkward. They've got no chemistry whatsoever, the two of them. No, they don't I, match. I think, could be wrong, but one of the reasons for this was that I think Austin wanted Deborah back on the show in some capacity. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So her is like Lieutenant Commander. She would like just kind of make like face matches and decisions. This is again like when she was brought in to do the ring announcing that one time. It's probably like, you know, Austin just like, have you got anything for Deborah to do? Like, you know what they did? They did it with her and I fucking hated it, which was they left the decisions about the women's matches up to her a few times. Kind of Mick is like, well, I must defer to her. I guess she's qualified to make a decision about the, yeah. the women's championship. I honestly think that any woman in the Roster would have been a better pairing with Mick Foley. Like, yeah, Lita and Mick would have been interesting. Yeah. China and Mick, Ivory and Mick would be like a great odd couple. Because they actually like, did a lot of really great segments with like Mick and a lot of the divas. Yeah, they used to do like a recurring one where Trish was trying to seduce Mick hmm. and then sue him for sexual harassment. <laughs> and then there was a time where she came in and then Mick accused her of sexual harassment <laughs> and it got mad awkward. It was brilliant, but no chemistry with Deborah. The amount of charisma Mick Foley has isn't enough to save Deborah's lack of charisma. And it, it, it does. Doesn't help as well the fact here, folks, that once again we're working under jet lag rules. Yeah. These people are a little bit tired. Foley, though, gives a really great promo. He doesn't go for the usual fish and chips, Gubner, which mm. I thought was what we were going to guess. It's weird, like when he's talking about the four guys that are in the main event tonight. He just goes, all of you guys have had your lives intertwined for a very long time. Foley loves to rhyme. You know he does. And the sound of human flesh on the ground echoes around the arena. Strategy, my Oklahoma foot. That's <laughs> cheating, plain and simple. <laughs> Foley lists the competitors in tonight's Fatal 4-Way match. Interesting, at the start here, Rock when he's mentioned in Austin... I very much equal pops. Yeah, they were really level pegging for that. And Rikishi got booze, but Kurt Angle got more enthusiastic, engaged booze. Yeah, as in care about his healery. Boo, but no, fuck him, boo. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Foley does a spot-on Triple H impression. Yeah. He holds a triangle over his nose. <laughs> and he goes, I'm not uh, gonna be here tonight. Uh. I'm not going to get into it too much now, obviously, but the fact that Foley says that Triple H is here because of a disagreement, as opposed to the fact that he was dropped 50 feet in a car from mm. a forklift. That's stupid. Foreshadowing, spoiler alert for Armageddon, folks. The storyline doesn't really get a great conclusion there. <laughs> when Mick imitates Triple H as well, <laughs> Taz just turns to JR and goes, That's a pretty good impressionation, JR. <laughs> impressionation! <laughs> Fuck 
fucking hell! Off to a very hot start. Him and Cole are just destined to be together. Seriously, you it's know? perfect. Mispronunciations. And it was her idea to come up with a match that had no disqualifications. Wow, that's big. And no countouts. That's right. Uh oh. Meaning the only way to win this match tonight is by pinfall or submission. And they build up the whole thing, you know, and then Foley's kind of like, and I've got a big announcement to make about this match tonight. Everyone's into it. And he goes, the big announcement is that this match will be, passes the microphone to Deva. No scarification. No cannot. Oh, like every other Fatal 4-Way in existence, you mean? And she still managed to take the oomph out of yeah, that Yeah, that was her job, was to say four words. Fucking ridiculous. It's re why bring her? It means... So forced in. When you do it out and then you like give someone a microphone and say, like, and now you, she doesn't even hold the microphone. It's no. usually put it to her fucking head. Yeah. Like, can you be any more obvious that you don't want this pairing? No enthusiasm whatsoever. <laughs> like Austin backstage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Deborah's great. <laughs> I think she should be the commissioner and Foley could be the lieutenant. <laughs> Kurt Angle appears in his lovely tracksuit and complains. He looks like the uh, football manager of Sheffield United. It's brilliant. He's I, I love tracksuit cagoules yeah. on. It's great. He, he comes in, like, he's, it's his new thing now, like, towards the end of 2000, the big puffy tracksuits. Yeah. Doing his warm-ups. He dresses like an athlete, it's great. You know, promotes cereal, that kind of thing. <laughs> Kurt Angle comes out and starts complaining about the match, and he says that the people in the UK, you know, aren't used to having winners. Mm. And he points out that you don't ever win the Olympics or anything like that. Yeah. Which, again, that's a line that's not aged too well. I kind of yeah. wanted time-travelling Boris Johnson to come out. And be like, Team GB, like. <laughs> Not only did we win medals, we all swept up after the riots. You take that back, you son of a bitch. I just don't think that's really a kind of insult that hits home with like English people. Oh, yeah. No, we don't win And people can't medals, check so. their phones on Wikipedia. It's going to take his word for it. Like, yeah. I guess we haven't. If you'd, have, if you'd have said that we don't win the World Cup, you know, that would have caused a riot. But Kurt Angle with the line of the night. Mick, we legends got to stick together. <laughs> and, and even Taz's like, oh, I don't think you're a legend yet. Like, it's so brilliant. brilliant. And then once again, like... As somebody who does a bit of stand-up, right, you don't leave your fucking last line to someone else. No. And that's what Foley does, is he gives away his, like, his last line to Deborah in both parts. Kurt, the commissioner's decision is final. You're just gonna have to live with it, champ. Just gonna right. have to live with it, champ. The decision is final. Kurt Angle, whether he likes it or not, is gonna have to defend the WWE title against Stone Cold, The Rock, and Rikishi. And this time as well, he's like, yeah, Kurt, well, we've got some news for you. He passes the microphone to Deborah, who says, the commissional's decision is final. And so then you, the music just plays, and then Mick Foley goes, and that is final! Because that was his catchphrase, and she got it wrong! You missed out the, the best part of what Deborah said as well. She just goes, so you're going to have to live with that, champ. Looks like you're looking for a fight, Dream. <laughs> it's the same kind of monotone. like you're looking for a fight, Dream. <laughs> yeah, the music just plays and Foley tries to like save it by like, shouting his catchphrase at the end. Really bad. Rough, rough outing, but enough memorable lines from Kurt and Mick. Yeah, just um, not a hot start, really, sort of paper. You know, you're tired, we can get, but the crowds are very fucking hot. Always. That's the one thing about UK paper, UK shows that you can say is a constant is the crowd is always white hot for it. And if you give them enough to keep that white hotness going, as opposed to them just getting bored and going for the horns, mm. you've got a great atmosphere. And we get that in spades in our opening contest. 
This just shows you how insane the fucking the show was at this time, in a good way. TNA versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys in a triple threat elimination table match. Not for the titles. Just, that's it. Just for the fun of it. Brilliant. There are two other teams competing for the tag titles later on. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You can actually have separate things going on in the tag team division. That is how you have a tag division. Yeah, absolutely. And Bubba Ray comes out. And I know this podcast recently has just become Kevin marking out about Bubba Ray Dudley. (laughs) But he looks genuinely delighted to be there. When he comes out, the fucking grin on his face. And Bubba's always got the serious look. He comes out and he's like, fuck. I think it's because he can tell, like, it's the kind of crowd where he knows already we're going to have them in the palm of our hands. This match is going to be great. And it's a kind of unique experience, obviously, for the Dudleys, like, being over here in the UK, obviously, as well. JR starts off... With the UK commentary saying that Albert weighs over 25 stone. That can't be right. 25 stones. 25 stones. stones. Yeah. 20, how big are these stones? Yeah, that's, that's very heavy, 25 stone. I mean, that's Johnny Vegas plus seven. <laughs> I'm just saying. Johnny Vegas and a medium child. <laughs> Dudley's double team. And it's a hot crowd to start things off. Fucking massive heat going in here. Mm. Everyone is over as fuck. Yeah. Massive Pete Gas sign in the front row. Yeah, the fuck. I love that. Some hardcore fan there. Probably it was Pete Gas. I guess. <laughs> and, and Rodney held up the other bit. Like, we got an amazing bicycle kick by Albert when the Dudleys are picking up a table. He kicks through the table. Yeah, that's a gorgeous move. Jr. Quick to point out, you can't put the table through your opponents. You have to put your opponents through the table. Nicely done. Nicely done. TNA work over Bubba Ray Dudley and get the crowd fucking booing big time. I love it when they do this whole. In the table match, the Dudleys seem to always have this happening, which is they're going to look like they're going to go through the table and the partner just moves it at the last yeah. second. So like you get big back body drop, Bubba's flying, but Devon just pulls out. It just the, hits the man. I, I love that. Like yeah. It's really, really good. Test, it starts doing this uh, big boot around here as well now. This is kind of, it becomes his finisher. Yeah, that, that's his signature move, really. Is it? The big, big boot. boot like, yeah. What do you think of the old big boot? Because I think it's fucking awesome. It's great, yeah. When Test does it, like... It's one of those moves that so many big guys do that you really have to do it in a special way to make it your finisher, sort of like the clothesline from hell. The noise that he makes, I think, yeah. would equate it with the clothesline from hell. It's a big, hell. stiff, big boot, and oh, it's brilliant. I fucking love that. Engine Christian, however, when Albert's on the top rope trying to superplex one of the Dudleys, they do kind of a, a double hook uh, powerbomb, and Albert ends up going through the table, and as he's going, he goes, No! <laughs> <laughs> TNA get eliminated. Yeah. Which was relatively kind of, sharpish as well. Didn't relatively sharpish, and we didn't have like Jerry Lawler kind of complaining. You know, what I think is weird. This could just be me, but anytime there's a TNA match, mm. every minute or so you get a gratuitous shot of Trish. Yeah, and there wasn't a single shot of Trish this whole time, mm. and I think that's because neither the commentators were perving over Trish because Jerry is usually like, "Oh man, Trish, look at her." Do you reckon it's normally Jerry that leads it for the cameraman to cut to Trish? Though, and like Kevin Dunn's like, well, he's fucking talking about her so much. Yeah. Fine, here we go. Like, that's a good point. We don't get any close-ups of Trish in this match. Yeah, Trish, like, she comes out and then she leaves, yeah. and you don't get to see her at all. Surprising. Like, she did her pigtails up for nothing. <laughs> a waste of time. Taz talks about how awesome Edge and Christian are, and he refers to them having cool necessity. Good old Taz. Fucking hell, Taz. Come on. And we're in a situation here where Taz has got fucking marbles in his mouth. Yeah. And Bubba Ray is being worked over. And I can't not think, Taz, my balls. I know, buddy. (laughs) Also, this being a UK pay-per-view, in this match we get our horn of the night. We get the most obnoxious air horn I've ever heard. Now, Albert getting another table. It's like a big... (laughs) 
<laughs> I do like when it sounds like a horn is going through puberty and its voice is right <laughs> when, when they time it perfectly and it's like during the middle of a move it looks like the wrestler's making that noise it's perfect when Christ was <laughs> Hot tie to Bubba Ray Dudley that is not seen by referee Tim White. Oh, they're frustrating. They are fucking building this crowd up to a nice hot team. Is there anyone as amazing as both a face and a heel as Bubba Ray Dudley? Because I listened back to a few episodes recently, and every time Bubba as a baby face does this hot tag, he just fucking the the fire the fire yeah. he gets the crowd like tonight here he's like turning and go David and he gets the crowd to chant to clap yeah. he's jumping up and down and you think Bubba Ray is a heel ECW Bully Ray and TNA mm-hmm. he's like I'm such a fucking Bully Ray Mark I know he's got it all huh? but he's got it all yeah you know the one <laughs> Bubba Gus <laughs> enough to make a blind man see. Hot tie to Bubba Ray Dudley comes in, clears house, amazing reaction. Bubba Ray Dudley eats a spear. Edge and Christian attend, what's up? But it's a bit of a mishap. Taz goes, I want to see the ones. <laughs> the ones. <laughs> so yeah, they kind of flip them around and they end up hitting each other in the balls. And then the Dudleys do the was up. Yeah, the proper was up, yeah. <laughs> do the was up, and this is like, the, I would say this is the height of its overness. Mm. Because I think there was a point where, like, its popularity in mainstream started to go down, and therefore it kind of it was still popular in wrestling, but we all knew it was a bit lame. Yeah. But I think in both IRL and in wrestling, this was over. At the it time. was over at the time. Yeah. So it's for the big was up, which is like the biggest spot of the match so far. Front row, there's a giant was up sign. Everyone's got a letter, and Brilliant. they all stand up except the letter A. So this whole time, it's W H Z Z U P, and it's like, fuck, who brought the A? Damn it. You'll, you'll never work this town again. Like? Exposing the business. But we do get our was up. Big fucking pop. And then this has all become a nice routine now for the Dudleys. Not only is it the was up that turns into Devon! To what? Get the tables! <laughs> Love it. That is so iconic. Yeah, fantastic. One of the most over things I think a tag... Can you think of anything a tag team does that all the crowd in a match... That all the crowd are like, bah, you know, they all react like that. Not off the top of my head. I mean, there's like obviously stuff like the worm, but that's more Scotty too hotty. There's there's nothing in a tag team that really gets the entire crowd to chant along with like you know something in the middle I mean, of the match. It was like, always before the match, or yeah, whatever. Like. During the match, like a spot that the crowd goes mental for. Yeah, probably As was. A tag also, team, I think that's got to be one of the, the most time. over. Yeah. yeah, awesome stuff. So they get the tables. Ed's looks like he's about to be 3D, but Christian just like throws himself. Yeah, he takes a bullet bullet for Edge. That's lovely. And then Christian just kind of stands there and then gets a 3D. Yeah. So a bit of a a naff. Bit of a weird finish. Dud finish there, but crowd was over as hell. Dudley's win this table triple threat elimination. Awesome stuff. Good opener, yeah. Really Should have really had that before the Mick and Deborah promo. Yeah, I think that kind of... That would have maybe hit the ground running a bit more. Backstage, Michael Cole with his fucking hair. Yeah, the frosted tips again. You would have been rejected from a boy band in the year 2000. Just think about that for a second. It looks like he's got the regular normal Michael Cole hair and then someone's just been sick on top of it and he's just left it there. It looks like really shit hair from like Smackdown 3. Yeah, absolutely. And the person who's tried to do like blonde highlights but instead they can't get the saturation right so it just looks all (laughs) off. Cole is with Lita though, who cuts like such a face promo. Belling off to a wild start, and hopefully the excitement will continue for you, Lita, because coming up next, you have a chance to regain your women's championship when you take on Ivory. My women's championship. I really feel cheated from Survivor Series. Uh, Ivory definitely got her hands on me, but 
I'm really excited to be here because I've read tons of fan mail, emails, and letters from the fans here over in the UK, and it's my first trip over here. So I would love nothing more than to get what I deserve, the Women's Championship, and give Ivory what she deserves, a beating of her lifetime. It was very facey, considering that she's facing Ivory tonight, a woman who at the last show busted her wide open. Yeah. And she's like, I'm really excited here to be tonight. I've got loads of mail from my fans. I can't wait to win it here in England. Dude, she made you bleed. Yeah, it wasn't great, really. It was it was too clean of a promo, I think. Yeah, I kind of wanted her to be like, you know, real, like, fucking intense, break a beer bottle over her head. Yeah, yeah, that's what you want. Like, for one of the most, well, the most hateable woman on the roster right now, being Ivory. Like, yeah. That's the kind of promo you want before your match, talking about her, like, not the whole, I've read your emails... They were very nice, thank you. Well, Ivory's got to be wondering here, Taz, what she's going to do. Lita's read all those emails <laughs> that she got from the fans here in Sheffield. It's the Women's Championship, a rematch from Survivor Series, as Ivory takes on Lita. She's coming out with Stevie Richards. Stevie comes out and his tie is slightly askew and it's killing me. <laughs> Slowly. Steven is booed out of the building. Yeah. Like, I gotta say... People always go, Vicky Guerrero, man, she got like just this nuclear heat. And she does. I think if you get heat to the extent that the people in the re in the arena can't hear what you're saying, mm. that's like that crazy, ridiculous yeah. level of heat. But Stevie has that here. Definitely. He is booed probably more than anyone here tonight. It's crazy. He starts talking about how much he thinks that the UK is lacking morality. The very place that they filmed the full Monty. Well, that's true. Oh, Funny movie. Never seen it. I don't go to the movies. That reaction is exactly why we are here tonight. Allow us to offer you a lesson in morality. What's she talking about? This Nudity of any nature is wrong. Having a pub on every street corner <laughs> is wrong. Nothing wrong with nice warm ale. And worst of all, having a monarchy that stands idly by and lets it happen is not only wrong, it is totally unacceptable. Everybody hits page three of the tabloids. No country which has something that's called the full Monty. <laughs> that's his one Sheffield reference. Is like, oh, I that is Sheffield. I heard the full Monty was filmed here, and like, then he just sort of pauses for a second. He's like, and that's about all I know about Sheffield. I'm pretty sure. I heard you make cutlery here a few years ago. I think we can get a breakfast called the full Monty at the local greasy spoon, but he's, <laughs> there's way too many beans. <laughs> what the hell? He also talks about a lesson in morality. Having pubs on every corner is morally wrong. <laughs> and he, say, he takes a pop at the monarchy. Kind of yeah. Like, he says, they stand idly by and allow it to happen. He says nudity in any form is wrong <laughs> and unacceptable. And he literally says, your royal family is powerless. I'm always hoping the lights to come out and then Charles to be there pointing in the air <laughs> throw a chair at him like look it's Prince Charles it's Prince Charles <laughs> Ivory hates Leisha's trousers yeah she gets a great problem on her like she, she's going down the wrong path yeah I fucking love it it's great stuff Leisha gets a nuclear pop as well it's that brilliant like self-righteousness of like 
I will save you, leader, from this path you're going down. Like, yeah. I mean, this for your best interest, buddy, kind it's of thing. Brilliant. Fast action to start things off. Lisa clocks Stevie Richards right in the mouth early on. Ivory, however, gains control, and these two are just like probably the two best pound for pound women wrestlers on Definitely. the roster. Yeah, like amazing. Ivory throws Lita into the ropes and then just turns to Stevie and goes, Talk to her! And Stevie goes, Look in my eyes, I can save you! I can save you, Lita! <laughs> the original Xavier Woods. It's like but... He's trying to convert her yeah. like on the spot. Like, mate, I'm in a match. Talk to me later, you know? JR refers to him as White Socks, as always. And Taz has clearly never heard this before. He goes, <laughs> White Socks. That's a great name you came up there, JR. White Socks. I like that. We thought Taz here on commentary tonight was like when Stu. Stuart Lee is pointing out like <laughs> Richard, Richard the hamster having with top with, uh, top gear with with, with Clarkson. Yeah. <laughs> White socks, can you imagine? <laughs> not having black socks, not having socks from from Primark. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lisa has shitty drop kicks. Yeah, she can't quite get the height on him. Can she? I, I don't know. She like she tries to do these like kind of flippy drop kicks, like to kind of get her momentum going. And I don't know if it's Ivory, but they're missing by a country mile. Yeah. Like she hits the twist of fate, however, and then she goes straight to Stevie on the outside with a suicide dive. Yeah, brilliant, Fucking awesome stuff. Ivory, however, reverses a sunset flip and uses Stevie to hold on to the hands, and she gets the pin. Yeah. A little bit too short, but more great stuff from these two. Way too short, but yeah, decent for what it was. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's nice when, compare this to what the women's segment was at the previous show, mm. which was the really long arm wrestling, yeah. fucking borderline softcore porn with Dish Pat water. and Terry. It was nice to see this kind of in its stead. Backstage, The Rock, who suspiciously looks like he has no eyebrows because of his sunglasses. Yeah. This is also like the most intense shot of The Rock ever. He just stood there, just staring off into the distance for a good 30 seconds in silence. He's there with Mickey C, and it's the kind of like, it's The Rock. Rocky, Rocky. He's, he's pouting, looking, looking serious, turns, turns back. And I think during that 30 seconds, he was just thinking what he was going to fucking yeah, say. Yeah, he's still coming up with it then. And here it is. Finally! The Rock has come back to Sheffield! Kurt Angle, tonight's the night. Fatal four-way matchup for the WWF title. It's gonna be The Rock, Kurt Angle, Rikishi, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wow, can't wait for that one. Big, big, And big. quite frankly speaking, Kurt Angle, tonight's the night that you lose the WWF title. But see, there's nothing to fear, Kurt Angle, because you see, The Rock is always an equal opportunist. You have your choice, Kurt Angle. You could either have the front of The Rock's hand or the back. So The Rock can take it and do exactly what he does best, and that is lay it the smack it down all over your candy bum. And you see Kurt Angle, seeing as we are right in the holiday season and The Rock is feeling like Father Christmas. The Rock has got a special gift for you. No, 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 see, The Rock is not gonna give you what you want. The Rock is gonna give you exactly what you need. And you see Kurt Angle, The Rock could come out and he could give you brand new gold medals. The Rock could even come out and give you cookies and milk. No, but The Rock is gonna give you the gift of whipping that candy ass all over Sheffield.
So by the, the numbers, yeah, he doesn't really, really say anything. Painted by the numbers, definitely. And he has a line that bombs. Yeah, um, doesn't he say he's going to kick some candy bum? Yeah, and he goes, Kurt Angle! And the crowd is like really getting it. He's like, Kurt Angle, The Rock is simply put, going to lay the smack down on your candy bum? And the crowd goes, yeah! Mm. And the crowd literally all goes silent. And all you hear is Taz going, <laughs> Bum! <laughs> word for bottle <laughs> so I think this may be the worst rock promo ever yeah it's really disappointing it's kind of like one that you would expect to see him pre-record for a wrestling game yeah absolutely the or like on, like, on like a morning interview show or something you know it just really hasn't got that rock energy to it it's really really strange coming up next this one should be fucking hard hitting Perry Saturn taking on Steve Blackman for the Hardcore Championship. Oh, what a great pairing. Perry comes out without Terry. and like, Right, Perry comes out without Terry, and it's clearly obvious that they just didn't spring for a ticket for her. Yeah. That's it. They're not going to do Visa. They're, they don't obviously think it's important enough for a lower card guy to have their manager. For one match. For a four-minute match minutes, or whatever. Yeah. And Taz's like, oh, I got the inside scoop, though, JR. I was talking to Perry Saturn area, and he said to me, he says, Taz, Terry ain't going to be here tonight. And it's quite simply put, because tonight, this match is going to be so... Like, the match is fucking started, and they're yeah. still... <laughs> the match is going to be so brutal that he doesn't want Terry to see it. I don't think a single person was sat there watching this going, where's Terry? I need to know what happened to Terry. Like, Mate, no one cares. I'm just going to say, right... If Perry's actually shoot doing that, right, you're going to get an earful from the missus. Because if you're going on a big, big fucking, a big trip to the big conference or whatever, the, the corporate getaway, and there's a bed and breakfast nice for two, hotel. and you don't let your partner go, you are really going He's to fuck. big trouble, Big mister. trouble in Little China. So, Taz at the start says he thinks this one's going to be a big Donnybrook. What's that? Well, Donnybrook is where the Leinster Schools Rugby Championship takes place. Oh, fuck. Uh, I don't know if he's referring to that. Great times I had in Donnybrook as a young lad, cheering on the boys playing the rugger. But I don't think Taz is talking about, about that. No, doesn't no. he have another term that he tries to coin as well? Rocket Buster. <laughs> Rocket. Rocket Buster, which by the way is <laughs> this next challenge of the Bloker's Corner is the Rocket Buster. You gotta pick up a rocket and haul its ass up into outer space. <laughs> well, the Rocket Buster was gonna be the name of Cowboy Kevin Mann's finishing move. My <laughs> God, get the Rocket Buster. That just makes me sick. But yeah, Taz tries very hard to get his shtick. It's interesting though because Taz goes on to use Rocket Buster. All the time. Really? Yeah, he used it a lot. That's so forced. Champagne. Yeah. You know, calling women tomatoes. Soup bowl. Soup bones. Great grappling to start off, which you don't expect in a hardcore match. No. Uh, Perry Saturn, in case you're, if you don't realize, is a fucking incredible wrestler. Fantastic. So technically gifted. And Steve Blackman, I think he's kind of. I put Blackman there with Shamrock in that he. He is an amazing gut that he has a technical style in there, mm. but it's not evident in every match. I think he needs a certain type of opponent for that to, to come bring out. it out in him. Yeah, like I don't think you're going to see Blackman's amazing kind of uh, technical wrestling if he's wrestling like Albert or yeah. Crash Holly. 
But Perry, we get the first few minutes of this is them fucking throwing in, in the ring and grappling. It's yeah, kick-ass. solid. Big dive to the outside by Perry Saturn. Yeah, he gets a, he, he lands on his back on the mat outside and then he's rolling around, looks right into the camera lens and goes, ah, and that doesn't do <laughs> Is that your crunch of the night? I think it may be. And I'm also going to say now, this match, like I couldn't really just sum up the amount of grunts in it. It's so grunty. Like Perry is constantly wailing and moaning and everything. I think Perry is, is, is on course to be one of the all-time grunters. Well, I was about to say, actually, uh, with us coming up to the end of the Attitude Era soon, you know, we're approaching the end of it now, I have started assembling my Grunt Hall of Fame. To which Perry Saturn has now earned his way in. Basically, the rules are that you have to have at least one Grunt of the Night to your name, which yep. Perry has just earned, and you have to have basically contributed something, you know, outstanding to the world of grunts yeah. over the course of the Attitude Era. Do you want to give us the short list so far? Yeah, so far. Like I said, we've got a few episodes left. We'll add a few more. But so far we have Undertaker for the robotic... Yeah, and generally he just goes... Yeah. Jeff Jarrett, obviously the okay. founder of the greatest grunt of all time. Mick Foley, there's Ish. too many to mention. William Regal, he's <laughs> really solid villain grunts. Val Venus, I didn't oh, expect yeah. him to be such a solid grunt, but he has all the popular kind of noises. And oh shit, when he's being suplexed. <laughs> and now our rebellion inductee is going to be uh, Perry Saturn. Well, when Perry Saturn goes into the Grunt Hall of Fame, he'll lead his own wing. <laughs> uh, if you have any people or grunts that you think Adam should consider from previous episodes, I mean, geez, we've like 50-something episodes, hundreds of hours of content. There's a lot of grunts We do there. forget what the grunts are. Yeah. So, because someone was making a grunt compilation recently, and we're like, where are all the grunts? We're like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> this, this fella contacted me on Twitter and was like, oh, I'm going to make a video of all your grunts of the night. Can you send me all the time codes? I had to spend like two fucking hours going through all my notes and finding them. And Adam is deep in the world of grunts. There's a lot of grunts out there, folks. Just when you thought you're about your head, they pull you <laughs> back in. Steve Blackman gets out a variety of weapons, some cookie sheets, and amazing shots to Perry Saturn. Mm. And they just like... I think it's nice, they use weapons, but they still show up their athleticism. You've got like rolls, dodges, spin kicks, counters, shots with the... Uh, it's brilliant, like, yeah, rather than just walking over to someone and hitting him on the head, like, Steve will bounce off the ropes, and then Perry will try to do, like, a big kick to the head, Steve ducks underneath, and then Perry jumps in the air and hits him over the head of the tray. Like. Um, I think if you go back and listen to our 24-7 hardcore special, obviously we spent a lot of time talking about Crash, but we also gave a, a good deal of, of of time to chat about Blackman and his reign here, and I think the, the quite the good things that he did for the division. So do check out our hardcore special if you've not yeah. heard that already, but... Needs to say, big fan of Blackman at this point. Absolutely. Sad that he didn't get to keep the momentum from working with Shane, but he's still, you know, this hardcore division is his. Yeah, because, you know? I mean, I think for the longest time, the hardcore division was basically like, two guys will pick up loads of weapons, I'll walk up to you and clobber you with this, and you can clobber me with that. But Blackman, especially, just finds this way of still keeping up a really high, fast pace. And, you know, even just the little things like dodging, you're not, not yeah. always getting hit by things. like The rolls, the ducks. Like, little bits really of psychology. And Definitely. Amazing crucifix pinned by Saturn off the fucking ropes. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Steve attempts to skin the cat and then gets bopped in the head by uh, Perry Saturn. You'll be seeing that spot soon. Yeah. We're seeing basically a lot of people like warming up spots for later on the action era, you know? Suicide Dive by Perry Saturn is met by a pan shot right to the face. Yeah. And then Blackman gets out his wee sticks and does his whole, It's party time! <laughs> this was my favourite thing ever. I distinctly remember like going to the canteen with like you know my friends when we were in school. I mean, we just pick up like an iPhone and go, It's party time! Like, bop them on her knees. And Jeez. You know? We didn't do no gut wrench suplex like Steve does here. <laughs> But yeah, I love the gimmick. It's really great. It's unique to him. I like when someone has their own weapon. 
It's no. probably my least favorite thing about Steve Black. Really? Yeah, I mean, not the weapons or anything, but just literally the, the idea. Of, light, I guess. Just they? him going, "It's party time." If he just dropped that line, I'd be totally fine with it. I just don't think but the lethal said, weapon shouldn't be going. It's party time. Well, he said, "If he said it's Blackman time." No, he just you don't know? say anything. It, 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 we could work on a catchphrase for Steve. It's not too late. Like. Even a thumbs up would be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just that. shakes the audience's hand <laughs> like, "Hi, everyone." Pump kick into a chair by Blackman. Oh my god! Mm. Awesome match. Very very. Blackman good match. wins yeah. from that. That was absolutely a barn burner. Really enjoyed it. Fantastic. We get a little uh, screenshot showing us the next match, which is going to be William Regal taking on Crash Holly for the European title. That's William Regal. William Regal. European pilot of Special Interest here, of course, here at Sheffield, as uh, Steve Regal. What the challenge by Crash Hall. The hometown boy, Steve Regal. Steve Regal from nearby Blackpool. Taz and JR call him Steve Regal three fucking times. In 20 seconds. And like, JR says it, then there's a mad awkward pause. Then Taz says it, and there's a mad awkward pause. And then JR just fucking says it again. You can just imagine like, uh, Steve Regal and Vince is in the headset like, no, it's William, goddammit. Dude, William. Steve Regal. Goddammit. Uh, Steve Regal. <laughs> Mother, it's written on the screen it's in right front, in front, of, front you. of you. And you don't mind, Regal's got a very silly kind of hello picture. Yeah. So it's really your eyes drawn to it saying, William Goddamn Regal. And it's the one guy who's in his hometown as well. It was his home country. Like, you get his name wrong. You know what? Regal's had a fucking hard go of it. And he could really just kind of go, you know what? I've literally crawled up from nothing. (laughs) I started from scratch again. And you get my name right. Yeah. (laughs) It's absolutely wonderful. it's, it's, It's been a treasure to come back here, to have my family here, to have all my friends and, and to come back to Britain, you know, a champion here in the WWF, what more could one ask for? Every week I've been in the WWF, I've gone out and achieved something. You know, within a short time I became European champion and a lot of people were shocked by that. So I come back here and I'm representing Great Britain and, and, and it's, it's a wonderful feeling. Because, I mean, let's face it, here in, in Britain we don't have many national treasures. We don't have any real sports heroes and so i'm really glad that i can do that i mean who do we have lennox lewis he's not really british frank bruno oh Oh. and that other fellow the little fellow from here um prince prince nazim worthless but doesn't matter because i will represent the people here in great britain each and every one of these people with pride every single week in the wwf I will go out and I will tell the Americans exactly how to live their life. Being a goodwill ambassador, that's my job. I will tell them how to eat correctly, how to have proper manners. And the thing that I won't do, Michael, is tell them, you know, the things that you shouldn't talk about here, such as most of the people here in England, terrible hygiene, terrible dental hygiene. And most of them are on the dole. I'm living my life well, obviously. They're going to be scratching around at Christmas, haven't got borrowing money, haven't got the, you know, things for the children. It's pretty sad. I won't come to America and tell people that. I will represent this country with pride. That is my goal, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. William Regal backstage begins to... He acts 
so sincere yeah and so face at first i was sort of thinking like oh is he gonna isn't like a bret hart thing where here he's the good guy or whatever it was like, a bit because he was like kind of just to think he doesn't say it but he alludes to kind of coming back yeah he's kind of like you're just to think you know i wasn't here for so long you know i come back and you know after a year being away and to accomplish so much and to to win this european championship but he's like he's like full-on you know, it's what I deserved. Yeah, you know, he was proper. He's like, well, that's that's face William Regal coming podcast through podcast like, interview. Yeah. William Regal there, like. and it really tricks you. It sort of like you know draws you into thinking, hey, maybe he's not such a bad. It's guy. kind of like, oh, oh, nice, you know, two and a half hour Q and A session with with William Regal yeah. in a nice pub, you know. And then he's like, of course, it's great for me being an Englishman to be a champion because. Obviously, England's not used to having too many champions, and then you go, "Oh, but he oh, keeps okay. the tone of voice." Yeah, he's like, "I mean, come on, Frank Bruno, <laughs> Lennox Lewis." Blech. He, he hates all the black athletes yeah. in the UK. Yeah, he says Lennox Lewis isn't even really British. He he definitely is though. Yeah, right? I, he I absolutely can is. confirm that. He also has a pop at teeth and the dole. He's kind of like, you know, I don't want when I go over there and I'll be a, a good ambassador for. For the UK, you know, I don't mention the fact that all your teeth are rubbish. Or, you know, you're scrounging around at Christmas, not got any money for the Argus catalogue, you know. Uh, I remember one Christmas, we couldn't get anything from the Argus catalogue, and it was it was dreadful, but I don't say that. <laughs> and, like, the crowd are kind of like, hey, wait a minute. Lay off a little, you. Mate, you know, don't judge Argus, okay? That laminated book has seen this family through some tough fucking times. <laughs> Taker arrives at the arena on his bike. Yeah, just speeds in. Did he drive here? Well, all the way from America. <laughs> Did he take the ferry back? <laughs> and he sat on the bike the entire yeah. time and on the ferry. <laughs> always using the VIP lounge. You can get as many biscuits as you want, Mark. It'll be amazing. So, it's time for the European Championship match as William Regal, not Steve, takes on Crash Holly coming out with his cousin Molly. Bit of a pop for Eagle when he comes out at the start. A little bit, yeah. In spite of the... Crash does get like quite a big pop, though. Mm. And it's, it's masterful. Because I, when you hear the backstage promo, I'm like, this is going to be a problem. Because you're just going to make... You're going to make the, the casual fans indifferent to you and the smart fans cheer you more. Mm. So I thought he was going to get kind of like a... Kind yeah. of, you know, that kind of shitty... But instead, he gets kind of a subdued pop. And then straight away, he's kind of like, yeah, I thought I'd get a bigger... Reaction than Steve Austin. Yeah, he does. He does the rock. Another promo, like, and he does ring. another promo, and he manages to turn that slight indifference into full on hatred. And when I was watching this with you, I literally sat back and go, "He is just the master." He is a master. Yeah, just the He's incredible absolute athlete. master. He has the brilliant line where he just goes, "I am your hero." Like he says it so sincerely. And they start being, they start booing. Goes, I hear a few people jeering there, but I know you don't mean it. <laughs> I am your hero, as I said earlier there it's fucking brilliant mm. sign of the night a long shot on this one William Regal English bad bum oh swinging a mess up there with bad bones I think it, is it <laughs> badass a bad bum is not really what's a bad bum it's like is that an English version of a badass like no. Vinnie Jones is a bad bum 
I don't get the message that sign's trying to send. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't understand. A bad bum sounds like something that a mother would say to a toddler that they want to scold, but not to, like, really upset. Oh, you bad you, You're bum. a bad bum, you know? Or, I don't know, like, kind of uh, a, a, an untrustworthy homeless person or something. I, Maybe. <laughs> but bad bum. And it's on the, it's on the St. George's yeah. Cross as well. It should have said, like, you know, William Regal, bloody bugger or something underneath. <laughs> and that's way better. Regal, as he's getting huge Regal sucks chance now, he he managed to turn this crowd the way the Bulldog couldn't. Because mm. the Bulldog yeah. just kind of made people indifferent to him, even though he was being all heel. But Regal is just, he doesn't raise his voice. He's like, how bloody dare you? Cheer for me. He's just kind of like, mm, no, you actually should have been. He's like a headmaster or your yeah. dad or something like that. And in the match as well, like I know William Regal's very good at the sort, you know, the snarling and the really, you know, expressive heel facial expressions. But in this match... He just like you know, sort of grapples uh, Crash, throws him to the ground, and then stops and does like a little wave at the crowd. And he goes, like, "Hello." He really like keeps his uh, composure. Yeah, he, he he's like, kind of like you feel that he's he's inside. He's been eaten up, but he's kind of like I'm in my hometown, so this has to go a certain it, way. This has to go well. Yeah, no, I, I don't. <laughs> Mum and Dad are watching this. Or I hear him. He's like, "Oh, well, my friends and family are here. I'm so happy to be back home. You know, yeah. it's lovely to to be visiting everyone. Amazing." Crash attacks. Big head scissors. Crash Holly shows off his wrestling in this match in a big fucking way. Mm. Multiple pins by Regal when he knocks down Crash. They love when he kind of grinds in his elbow. Yeah. Why does no one else do that? I The boss man used to do it. Mm. And it's great because I love it because I remember people used to complain when I was watching it. They were like, why is he pinning him? He's not going to win. And then I remember hearing it. It was Regal himself on commentary. It was like, if you do that over and over again, you're wearing your opponent down because they have to keep kicking out. Mm. And you're exerting all their energy then. And it's it's not to win the match. It's to literally tire out your opponent. Because you have to keep, you know, kicking out that fucking uh, that pin and getting your hand off their face. Really, really amazing. Honestly, a master of psychology, William Regal. He's so fucking clever about it. Crash Holly goes off the ropes and does this amazing twirling victory roll. And gets oh, a nice yeah. roll up on him. And a hurricane runner. Mm. Crash Holly is can go. It's weird to think, like, as much as I love the hardcore division with Crash Holly in it, it's almost like it was holding him back a little bit because he didn't he get a chance did to use his full arsenal. I remember playing as Crash Holly in No Mercy on the 64, and he's got, like, hurricane radars and roll-ups and all this stuff. I'm like, he doesn't do he that. He can't do that. Yes, he fucking can. Yeah. Seriously. So, Regal pins Crash after knocking him off the top rope. Crash's foot is blatantly on the rope. We get the three count. The bell rings, but the ref straight away is like, oh, no, 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 forget that. Molly is trying to explain, and Regal, like, looks at Molly, goes back to kick Crash. Molly gives him a missile drop kick, mm. and literally, as Katoni Chimble is saying, must continue, Crash is already One, pinned two, Regal. two, three, yeah. It was, it was a bit fluky here, how it kind of... I think... Like, yeah, it was a stupid ending, but I think with characters like Crash and William Regal, it's okay to have a goofyish ending like this. And the, the best thing about this ending by far is that William Regal, like I said, holding his composure throughout the entire match, the second he fucking stands up again after being pinned, that's it, boom, he's a vile he's, he's lost. Like, he's lost the European title. He's like, leathering Molly Holly. Like, yeah, he, he goes straight. Kicks her. They're two there, and he knocks them both in, and then he just starts, like, laying into Molly. It's yeah. like, what? Like, the crowd are like... It's the most despicable thing on the card. Definitely. It's fucking shocking. He's like. so pissed off and it looks really vicious and evil. And Regal nicks the belt. Yeah, he just walks off with it. And it's great because like, in the storyline, because like, like, Regal wants to come here, put on a good show, light opponent and crash. 
He loses the belt, mm. loses his composure, fucking like attacks a woman. Yeah. The crowd completely like, oh wow. And at this point, the crowd are nuclear as well, but he just picks up the belt, gets on the ramp, and then he just starts doing the little wave again with a smile on his face. <laughs> like everything's fine. <laughs> like Rico's like, if I keep smiling and waving, they won't realize I've beat a woman in this thing. <laughs> I can edit this to look good later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that in post. <laughs> Fucking amazing encounter that match Brilliant. again. Nuclear heat and a master of the mic is William Regal. Mm-hmm. Backstage, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit chill in a doorway. Kurt asks nicely if Chris will interfere in his match. <laughs> so blatant. Like, Would you come and fight my match and provide assistance? <laughs> and uh, he says it would be amazing if he did it because he's like, Kurt, he's like, you should have been in this fail four-way, but if you help me win this... We can have Benoit versus Angle. Mm. Everyone's like, boo. And I'm like, yay. Actually. Yeah. And also, like. Chris, could you interfere later so we can have Kurt versus uh, Chris Benoit? Benoit should have taken him up on that. He's offering you a title match if you help him. Yeah. Help a, him! A title match and a barn burner. Kurt is like, it would be a really great match. He's like, yeah, it would actually. It definitely would. Damn you, heels being logical. <laughs> we cut back to ringside. <laughs> Jim Ross and Taz. His days as champion may be numbered here tonight at at insert at uh, at, at uh, rebellion, I should say. Yeah, here at insert looks at his sheet the rebellious. Here the uh, coming up next on insert a rebellion. Come on, so bad, man. mate. If you're ever stuck, look right in front of you. The ring mat has got a fucking ring. Yeah, he has to look down and like pick it up his sheet. Like, three foot letters. You flew to another country for this show. You can't even remember the name of it. Oh Jesus Christ! Billy Gunn, the One, and China taking on Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, the Radicals. And Jim Ross is like, this match began all over a heated love angle, and it's like this happened. Months ago. Months ago. Why are you doing this? As in, Austin came back this match. This angle was wrapping up. Mm-hmm. It's like really old. Again, this was actually... Playboy came out around the time of No Mercy. If... And the whole angle there with them spitting up was, was done and dusted by September, October. And it's December now. If I remember rightly, wasn't there at the last UK pay-per-view something involving Eddie and China, their story being screwed up again in the chronicle? Well, it was Eddie... Uh, Eddie and Jericho and China because yeah. uh, China was meant to turn heel that was and, it. and they muddled it up at the, they muddled it up and it got all fucked up something about China and Eddie that they just can't seem to get right with the UK show it's fucking awful weird we get the recap then of this very old storyline yeah hang on a minute folks as Vince pops this wood in the microwave it's just basically you know Eddie getting caught with the hose in the shower mm-hmm. China rejecting him and his offer of marriage and then him going full on heel from it I'd never seen that clip before where China's like crying her eyes out gives him oh, the ring yeah. back and like honestly I can't believe like China should never get in that kind of state yeah like, talk about ruining her character you remember like in 98 and 99 when she was Triple H's fucking Such bodyguard a fucking like, badass like, now she's crying because a man broke her heart and also as well it's not even that it's like a real like fucking kind of you shouldn't have trusted me because yeah, like, I'm Eddie Guerrero and I'm, I'm no good makes her look stupid for even wanting a guy like that in the first place it's like strong amazing character gets you know falls for the bad boy and gets her heart broken it's just like think the whole thing where she like she like leaves a match in tears crying yeah. like throwing her ring away and like Eddie's like begging for her to like take her back and she's like oh well consider it it's ri- honestly it's uh, honestly because like 
because she's a woman, the rest of her character can just go out the window and just, we'll use her for this instead now. It doesn't matter, like, about all that stuff you did before. Now you're in love with Eddie, you're sad about it. And it's sad because it's like, this is during the time of the, of the much-talked-about Triple H, Stephanie, yeah. starting to actually get together for real, China kind of being pushed out in that sense. And it's kind of sad to see that they were, I think, trying to get her into the women's division around this point. Mm. And a lot of people were kind of like, oh, yeah, that's such a step down. She, you know, she was IC champion. How dare she be in the women's division? She, she'd be wrestling with men. But if you're only going to have her wrestling with men so you can have her fucking get married and have her heart broken and all yeah. that kind of shit. I'd rather she was back in the I'd, women's I'd division. I'd rather she, like, you know, spiced up the women's division instead. I actually think the women's division, like, you know, she's a benefit to them at this point in time. Like, the women's division starting to finally heat up again. Maybe it's time China went back down to that and, you know, actually started participating in some of these good matches. Because, so. I mean... Looking back now, really, I think the Eddie Guerrero angle, as, as fun as it was at the start, because it was a real fun angle at the start. It was different. Mm. It was a change of pace for China, like seeing her smile and kind of, you know, yeah. slowly warm. Different side of her. That was good. But I think long term, they've just done irreparable damage. Definitely. They've and taken a lot of the credibility away from China. She never gets back this kind of heat credibility. No. You know, it's as if kind of Eddie Guerrero really gets put in his place as a result of this. China comes out in what can only be described as curious ring attire. She's got like a pair of shorts and this crappy white tank top that has a little Union Jack on it. Nice shirt, China. 25 pence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said she looked like she got her outfit at the Millennium Dome. <laughs> the Millennium Dome. Which is a fucking oh, great day out, mate. Yeah, wow. a fucking great day out. <laughs> That's what it looks like here. Just that kind of shitty, vague Union Jack and white. It would have been a guy selling it outside the Millennium Dome on the way in, like one of the street vendors or yeah. something, yeah. And China in like white boots and like, it's it's an odd... Very weird appearance. For weird her. appearance there. Billy Gunn coming out. The one Billy Gunn with his fucking love lips Mr. Ass trunks. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Didn't you get the memo about your name and gimmick, James? <laughs> oh, also as well, you can tell that this angle is old as hell because in the recap video, which shows Millie Gunn getting involved, right, he's got a different haircut and a fucking different name, man. <laughs> Badass Millie Gunn with long blonde hair is like, hey, don't get in my business, Eddie Guerrero. And come yeah. out, he's a different guy. Seriously. <laughs> like, my haircut may be a different colour, a different length. I may have a different name, a different theme song. That doesn't change what you did to my friend I China. I still care about this. I still care, man. Eddie Guerrero and Billy Gunn is a nice pairing, though. Yeah. Uh, I think Billy Gunn, long established, is a pretty fucking awesome wrestler in his mm. own right. And Eddie Guerrero can keep up with them. Nice big small action. We get double press slams at one moment from Billy Gunn and China to Dean and Eddie. Very nice. Which is awesome. Taz starts losing his shit going, look where China's thumb went. Yeah, and this is possibly the thing that annoyed me the most about Taz all night is that he laughs at everything, like constantly. <laughs> I Look mean, at those biscuits on China, Jor. <laughs> what are what are biscuits? Uh, that he says. Look at those biscuits or puppies, whatever you want to call them. Oh, so biscuits are also breasts. You know, because of breasts biscuits. being crunchy, hard, crumbly breasts. Mm. Get crumbs all over you. L look at those hobnobs she's got yeah. on. It, it doesn't work. No, you know. If, I think that was probably his attempt at being British. The one thing I will say though, the best thing about Taz here compared to later Taz, is that at least he's laughing at shit that other people say that's happening in the ring. Mm. Compared that to TNA, where he's just laughing at himself. Yeah. Hey, I'm pretty funny, Mike. Well, I think we got a little bit of that later on as well. Oh, dear. Yeah. China beats the shit out of Dean Malenko. We got a nice handspring elbow from him. 
JR is trying to start to get worked over, starts moaning again about women fighting men. Yeah. He's like, I don't think China should be in there, but be that as it may. And then Taz, actually, with a nice line, he's kind of like, yo, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you're in there, it doesn't matter what you are, whatever you want to be, you know, all that matters is that you're a competitor. Like, it was that so hard. Yeah, that was actually really quite surprising. And again, JR, fucking, we get it, mate. All right, you don't, you like, don't like it. Leave it at home. Like, you're a professional, do your job, call the match. Like, you wouldn't mind, like, you could kind of see it if they were doing it that China was a heel and they were kind of like they were using it as some sort of like weird psychological advantage that oh there's mm. a woman on the team but it's not like China's there it's long established she wrestles the men and no one makes a deal out of it except Jim Ross and Ahmed Johnson but still <laughs> <laughs> and regardless of how bad the writing might be for China at this point as well JR's saying this in the middle of a match where she is actually kicking some ass it's so China, like, China's good like, yeah I mean, she is at this know, point in her career she's really good in the ring she was quite limited early on but she constantly improved I think that you know I, I have to say actually in this match I didn't know it's only a China shortcoming no, that's what we used to comment about back in the day like, no definitely not Like she constantly improved I think by the time they were improved as she improved though the more improved she got the further down the card she slipped madness which is kind of the opposite of what you think would happen Billy Gunn gets the hot tag but it's cut kind of short and then all four people in the ring just kind of taking up space Yeah. Billy Gunberg hits the jackhammer on Dean Malenko mm. and follows it up with the famouser which Eddie Guerrero breaks up but then we get the one and only that sweet Cobra Clutch slam great move love it China and Billy Gunn win the match mm. pretty formulaic but good I liked shit. it yeah it was a good match it's a bit of a shame that they kind of had to like rehash the storyline yeah I think that obviously was just an excuse to have these four guys be in the same match together again yeah. but I mean you've got fucking awesome people in there and yeah. everyone looked good it was a good show we get thrown to man this is a weird one I've ne never ever the fuck is this ever and I'm pretty sure I watched this on Sky Box Office as a kid mm. I never remember this fucking Girardi. Going up to our English broadcast colleague. Let's take it out, ladies and gentlemen, to our, our British colleague, Dan Berlinka. Who's up for this raucous crowd? I'm having a great time up here with just some of the fans who come from all over the country to be with us tonight. But the first thing I have to ask is what is your reaction to the European title match we saw earlier? I'm chuffed with Crash won because I think Crash is ace and Regal seems to take the English for granted. Right, and what about you, sir? What do you think? And where did you come from today? Um, I came from Hull. Um, I haven't really bothered about Regal. It feels absolutely fantastic to be here. You know, watching on TV is one thing, but actually being here and being a part of it is absolutely fantastic. You know, it's brilliant. And I understand you actually had quite a long journey to get here today. What's up? Thank you very much, well as you see everyone's just having a great time up here in Sheffield. Right, this is my interpretation of it. Dan Berlenko. I heard it as Dan Malenko. Malenko. Like Dean's little brother. <laughs> just, you know, putting people in holes in the crowd, <laughs> like, you know. He's like English white Jonathan Coachman. Mm. And he talks with the masses and we don't get much out of him. I'm English and I can barely understand what these guys are saying. Like, I guess they're just blowing up from being at the wrestling show. It's, but it's so it's so English. He's like, "Are you excited to be here tonight? Woo! What's up? It took us two hours to get here. <laughs> you should have taken the M181. That would have been faster. Yeah, but we had to stop at Dalston Services. So yeah, it's." Tedious, unnecessary, and they're in a really shitty part of the. <laughs> the camera's just zoomed into this little section. Way of the up crowd. in the nosebleed, and there's a bunch of people just kind of standing there awkwardly going, Yeah, we're having a great time. Like, well, they're having a great time here in Sheffield. You've earned your money, Dan. Yeah, well done. Coming up next, it's Kane, one more time, taking on Chris Jericho. 
This all started as singly over a cup of coffee. JR, this ain't about coffee, that's for sure. Chris Jericho challenging William Regal for the European title. And the, uh oh, what's that? It's the big red machine. Kane shoving Regal out of the way and going right to Chris Jericho. Oh my God, a one-arm touch slam. Chris Jericho inadvertently, accidentally spill hot coffee on Kane. Oh, sorry, champ. I hope that coffee didn't burn you. I mean, burn me. Those drastic measures there for a spill, wouldn't you think? I would think so. It's the walls of Jericho! We're locked in! We've got a new champion turn! Jericho's gonna... Angle's gonna tap out! Hey, wait a minute. What is uh, wait a minute. It's Kane! Kane on the top rope! Right, J. Kane from behind! Clobbering Chris Jericho! Kane's got a hot coffee complex! Ow! Chunk slam! Kane, all this over a, a cup of spilled coffee? This all seemingly began over a cup of coffee. You think this is about coffee? You don't want to see me. What lies under this? You want to see Chris Jericho. Well, the more you cheer for him, the more I hate him. The more you want to see him, the more I want to end him. After I beat Blackman and become hardcore champion, I'll challenge Jericho to a title defense. Then when I tear his face apart, when I rip out his pretty blonde hair, when I beat him so bad that his appearance is so repulsive that he too wears a mask as a shield, when I do that, it'll all be legal. Jericho, do you know what you've done? This video package, because uh, we, we well, joke so much about the fucking coffee. Well, well, Taz literally, like, the last line before the video package, Taz goes, let's take a look at this, and remember, this is more than just about coffee. <laughs> then we get a package where the word coffee is uttered every 10 seconds. Like, uh, Kevin Kelly goes, Kane has got a hot coffee complex. Sorry, I hope this coffee didn't burn you. The coffee there burned Kane. This all started with a cup of coffee. Kane, this is about more than just coffee. You think this is about coffee? <laughs> Shut up. I love how much they go back to the coffee in this. Yeah. Because they don't really, in later shows. Yeah, again, it's again because it's a UK paper, you've got to sort of slam the brakes on the story progression a little bit. It's like, well, play up the coffee part of play it. Play up the coffee a little bit. I do love that, though, because mm. like we've had a lot of, like... <laughs> We've had a lot of like fan art and goofs mm. and stuff sent to us that people have done about the coffee thing. Yeah. Because I think this being about coffee. 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 Uh, we both have hot coffee complexes. Oh, we're, we're big coffee men, yeah. Uh, it was a really hard thing because in the Survivor Series 2000, we had alternate artwork. I had to literally flip a coin and pick between the two. Michael Scally did the one of the game being unmasked as the, mm. the Scooby-Doo villain. But Elizabeth, she did an amazing one of Chris Jericho as the Starbucks logo. With just his little face on <laughs> Put that out on Twitter. It's fantastic. <laughs> this is about more than coffee, folks. I will say, though, amidst all this coffee, 
This is the first time that Kane is really given a proper lengthy promo where it's not just, I am a monster! Yeah, it's Michael Cole directing questions at him backstage, so it's a bit more focused. And, and he's like, I'm gonna, you know, like, I'm gonna disfigure him. Anytime I see him and how happy he makes people, I hate It's really... I'm gonna pull his hair out. I'm gonna disfigure his face so badly that he will have to shield his face with a mask as well. And it, it works so, because the Cole is so small and Kane is looming over him. Fucking the brilliant. idea of Kane wanting to inflict, like, his disability onto someone else as well, that's great. Like, great might work from Kane here really good it's really really great coming out Y2J on the microphone gives us a catchphrase fucking palooza yeah I think he had a running bet with someone to see how many he could do in like a minute welcome to England is Jericho it feels like there's a lot of Jericho-holics here in the ring tonight we will never ever be the same again. again like The Rock considering how great Jericho is on the mic very disappointing quite phoned in I thought. yeah it didn't really kind of it, it felt like he he wasn't amped up for this match yeah and I don't say that lightly, obviously. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I am really sad that I was kind of hoping with the whole the package being what it was, I really hoped that Jericho was going to come out with like a couple of lattes or something. Like, hey there, champ. Got this for you. What's careful with it? Decaf, no cream. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know? Or a coffee on a pole match. Coffee on a pole. I'm just oh, saying. Man. Or like there's a giant cafetiere and you have to climb the ladder and plunge the cafetiere. <laughs> My God. Put your opponent inside like the Paul Bearer glass cast. My God, look at the strength of Kane. That's really fine ground coffee. How's he pushing the cafetiere? <laughs> Alright, there's a great fan sign in the front row. Mm. And we've actually had a lot of people who, who've been to these shows who are fans. We've actually had you know, for most of the show people kind of going, Oh yeah, I was there. When this happened, yeah. when Stone Cold said we should all go get a beer and then things of that nature. If anyone was there and either had or knew the person who had the sign that said, Whatever happened to Kane and Taker's ability to summon lightning at will, please let me know because I <laughs> want to shake that person's hand. When I see that sign going, What happened to Kane and Taker's ability to summon lightning at will? I just immediately got a vision of Vince Russo on a webcam going, I know, bro, well, seriously, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me what happened to the... I th the business is never going to be as successful as it was if these guys go out and they can summon lightning. <laughs> Very similar to the Survivor Series match, if not identical. So, Adam, would you like to take us through this one? Yeah, we'll cover it. I mean... What can you say? It's, it's a very sort of standard big versus small kind of thing. And that's not to take away from it. They still put on a good match. They do do but literally identical sequences from... Yeah. I think it's one thing if you've done stuff at a house show and then you do it on a, on a big show. But if you've done it at Survivor Series, one of the big four, and then you do it at a show... after the fact, do it again. On that's... A show that is also broadcast. Like. Jericho, I think you've downloaded your homework off the off Wikipedia there. <laughs> I think I can tell that, you know. But the basic story of the match is what you expect. Jericho's trying his best to dictate a fast pace, and every time he starts to get a bit of offense in, Kane shuts his butt down. Uh, for instance, Jericho goes for this beautiful flying crossbody and gets caught, does a massive slam on him, and Jericho goes down. Um, Kane, I noticed in this, when Jericho's down on the mat... Big stiff punches to Jericho. Like they're yeah. probably like <clears throat> Jericho <throat> was actually slamming his arm onto the mat with every punch. It looked and it gave, great. It made them feel like heavy. There's literally a contender for the worst banter ever. When Taz oh. and JR start talking about there's like some boxer and Taz is kinda of like, Oh, I think he's sitting up there in a in a kid's chair because he's so short. You know I hate short people, JR. Ha <laughs> ha. Because, you know, Taz is short, isn't it? It's Taz funny. is such a massive brick shit house. And then he goes, what is anyway? The WBO? The world body odor? Boo! 
know, I know you just, you've just glanced over that there for some highlights, but that actually was like a three-minute conversation on commentary. They don't shut the fuck up. And like. this is like, I mean, this match isn't just, right, about coffee. And there's a lot going on in the ring here. Worst banter ever. Kane's breathing is... Uh, oh, the... Yeah, he to to walk under that hood for as long as he did. Seriously, he's a, he's a trooper. Yeah, he's got a proper pug face smushed up in there. Yeah. I imagine. Uh, we got the typical um, Kane's go-to choke as well, where he chokes Y2J from behind on his back and lifts him over. I like think that. he's only done that with Jericho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, actually, he does it later on as well against Raven. I think. Oh yeah, it's a bit of a go-to thing. But what I hadn't seen before is he's doing that. Jericho's over his back. Jericho eventually starts to drag Kane towards the corner a little bit with his weight, and then. Jericho runs up the turnbuckle and then flips back over on Kane to escape awesome. the move. Really cool little escape. Kind of how Austin would, uh, sorry, Brett like escape from the sleeper or the, the million dollar dreamer yeah, or whatever. Same kind of thing. Kind of flipping backwards. Really cool. Uh, Kane really showing what he's capable of working with an athletic guy once again Absolutely. here. You know, he's red, but he's keeping up. Yeah. You know? And he, he is dominating for a good portion of this match as well. We get the uh, patented Kane corner combat where, you know, he chucks a guy in the corner. <laughs> for a little while, yeah. Muller corner offense. Uh, then Kane goes to the top rope. Y2J knocks the rope and, you know, obviously Kane falls down. His balls go onto the turnbuckle. <laughs> Taz goes, oh, right in the Krispies, jail. <laughs> the Krispies. I think someone like you know on the on the plane ride over Taz was like hey man I'm doing commentary in England I need some tips on like UK slang and things to say Crispies and someone was playing a joke on Taz and just gave him all these things like Crispies nice pair of biscuits on her like there's no way Wait, he thinks these are real sayings please if there is anyone from from the north <laughs> who, <laughs> who might be able to point out if we're missing some very obvious cockney rhyming slang Crispies. 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 Of all the things that testicles don't represent, Rice Krispies are like just... I mean, corn pops, at least. If anything. Or, like, you know, Nesquik, a bunch where they kind of lump together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Taz refuses to shut up about Lennox Lewis, goes on about Lennox Lewis for ages. In the meantime, Kane does a flying clothesline from the top rope, which is met by a drop kick from Jericho on the ground. Identical spot from yeah, previously. still, regardless, still it. lovely spot, really good stuff. Jericho's trying to lock in the walls of Jericho on uh, on Kane, but he can't quite turn him over because he's such a big bastard. What do you... Th- I mean, Jericho... This was the time where he started working with the, kind of the big heavyweights, mm. and the walls of Jericho just becomes the Boston Crab. And he says the reason why he starts doing it as the Boston Crab like all the time was because he had to put it on the same on everyone, and because Kane in the big show had to have it this way, that's why he did it. Mm. I, st- I don't get it. I don't know. I still think you can do the regular walls on everyone else. I don't, like, yeah. yeah. And it's obvious, like, if anyone says, oh, he's doing a Boston Crab on Kane, it's like, yeah, Kane's fucking massive. He yeah, can't do the walls. His legs aren't long enough. But he can't get it in. Kane's too heavy and resisting it. So instead he goes for a lion salt, which is met straight by Kane's knees. That was really sloppy. Yeah, like, really? the lion salt was only headed towards the knees. Yeah. Kane didn't even have to lift him. Like. It's like Kane kind of looked at him and went, I'll be grand. <laughs> <laughs> Kane pops back up after that, gives him a choke slam. Taz goes, choke slamage, jail. <laughs> Fuck it out. At least he doesn't go, goozle, because that's what he always did on SmackDown. One, two, three, Kane wins the match. Dominant for Kane. Very dominant. It is, yeah, it's, it's always nice to see Kane get a proper big display in and win a match. Definitely. YTJ does get his heat, though, after the match. He like, yes. attacks Kane on the ramp, puts him back in the walls. Yeah, he puts him in the walls on the top of the stage, and because they're on the metal, Kane starts tapping out, but it's like a really loud kind of... like Smashing edge. Yeah, it's going to break the stage or something. 
backstage in a fit of f- pure fucking rage. Lita's just there having like an apple tango. She's just pouring, <laughs> like, she, no, she's got a can of apple tango with the logo facing the camera and she's pouring it into a plastic cup for no reason. And Trish, who really doesn't have the kind of, the charisma at this point to properly mock. It's only later I realised, oh, she was mocking Lita's promo for earlier. Yeah, I didn't realise that either. Because <laughs> Trish just comes in and goes, meh, da, da, da. and then Lita's like, fuck you! And just beats the shit out of her! Throws, well, Trish gets tangoed, first of all. She gets it right in the eyes. Then Lita's fucking shoving her around, rips her top off. All right, what happens here, what's so ridiculous about it, is the fact that what Trish actually says was, I'm so excited to be here, I'm getting so much mail, it would be a great place to win back your title. Mm. So she was alluding to the promo earlier, but she says it so quietly. Yeah, you can barely hear it. It wasn't clear that she was trying to rile Leah up. So Leah just looks like a psycho at this point. Like, big thumbs up. I'm a big fan of the Trish and Leah feuds. Mm, definitely. It, it is, but I will kind of give the Steve Austin, it is what it is. <laughs> As in, like, Leah, like, beats the fuck out of Trish here. Like, the fact she like, throws her onto a case and fucks her into a wall. Head first. But because it's 2000, they, ha- like, and it's one thing that the Trish and Leah feud was not immune to. It was, like, she has to take her top off. Mm. Like, that's, like, an, 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 in the year 2000, like, literally every week, Leah ripped off Trish's top. Yeah. And, like, as awesome and as pioneering as Trish and Leah were... You know, every week they would rip a top off. They had, like, spanking matches. They had, like, the first bra and panties match. They were really the guinea pigs for this kind of, like, sexualized stuff that they would go on to become, like, even more widespread. In the uh, corporate. Yeah, yeah. and it's kind of like, this is the ground they had. They had, like, kick-ass feuds that had to use that yeah so it's kind of like you can enjoy the feud and close your eyes but it's kind of like that's just kind of it was mired in that really was just Mm. kind of the point there and she ends up throwing trish into ivory's locker room yeah which inexplicably stevie richards just sitting down watching her get dressed were you as surprised as i am about how long this went on for you keep thinking like oh they're gonna walk off screen now or tna might come help yeah it just keeps going she literally kills poor trish she throws her in there and then yeah, it's just a big pull-apart brawl because Ivory is there getting changed. Stevie turns up and like tries to cover it up. And, and Taz goes, look at those socks, JR! <laughs> <laughs> just imagine Taz in a Primark in the sock section. <laughs> look at those socks, JR! <laughs> Mate, fucking socks, you need to wear them, okay? You'll get fungal foot infections otherwise. Coming up next... Tag Team Championship on the line as the right to censor take on Matt and Jeff, the Hardy Boys, who are looking to get the belts back. No Lita or Ivory or Stevie because of the kerfuffle we've mm-hmm. been told. Um, Taz says that he reckons that this match will also be a rocket buster. Stop trying to make rocket buster happen, Taz. It's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> I do like the team of RTC, Bull Buchanan and the Good Father. Two big blokes who can really hang with Matt yeah, and Jeff. Absolutely. It's, it's nice to see like Val Venus being the one on the outside for once instead of Stevie. Like because yeah. he actually will get involved and he's more threatening than Stevie ever could be. So that's a smart move. Harkens back to the Acolytes as heels versus young Hardy Boys, big versus yeah. small action here as well. And very odd, I mean good fast paced stuff at the start. But there's a point where like really early on, very noticeably, Jeff rolls out of the ring. And the referee is turning, looking at Matt. And Matt just fucking walks in. And he's the legal man. He just goes for a pin. Jeez. Like, they're not... That's fucking really obvious stuff. Lucha Libre rules now, apparently. And I mean, you've got, like, you know, veterans in there. Mm. 
that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Really. Goodfather tries to clock one of the Hardys with the belt, but misses and hits Bull Buchanan. Right to censor, work over young Matt's arm, though, however, at ringside, really working down on it. And the right to censor as well have seemingly got the default tag moves from SmackDown 2 as they give the double head slam. The blandest tandem offers. And the dreaded abdominal stretch and they hit him with a punch. <laughs> oh, not in, the, not in the armpit. That's the weak spot. Unfortunately, in this match, it became apparent that, sadly, as much as we wanted it, JR is not wearing off on Taz. Taz, if anything, is wearing off on JR. <laughs> it's a war of attrition between I, these two podcasters. I, I wasn't paying attention. I don't know how this came up, but I just like at one point I just heard JR go, I ate beans three times today. Three times, JR? I like beans. Why did you need to tell us that? How did that possibly come up in conversation? This show wasn't even sponsored by Baked Beans. Like yeah, we checked. Yeah. It's not that JR was paid in beans. Like <laughs> Maybe there's a few left over from the last one. Who knows? Don't forget when you're leaving the arena to pick up a can of beans on the way home. <laughs> Folks, want to tell you about a can of beans I had earlier on this week. Oh, tomato sauce, beans. Watch that, Terry. Well, I would like to get some beans as well. I've been listening to a lot of JR's <laughs> podcast lately. He spent fucking 20 minutes the other day doing a Terry Funk impression to plug the croissant witch. That show is dog shite. The Don't croissant witch, however, is not. <laughs> and Burger King, if you want to get on board the AE podcast train, I'm just saying I had chicken fries and regular fries yesterday. We can totally plug the croissant witch. Loyal customers. Jeff Hardy gets a hot tag after the whole train misses. But it really kind of... I don't know if it was the fact that there was too many tag matches tonight already, mm. but the crowd didn't really... They didn't really kind of get built up to it enough. There was also hot tags in both of those tag matches. Yeah, earlier well. on. So exactly, the actual yeah. hot tag itself has just been desensitized. And particularly in the first match where they did the whole kind of like ref didn't see it. And like, yeah, it was almost a double hot tag. And it's like the hot tag, he's trying to get it for so long, kind of like, Jeff, just walk in. You know, you can yeah. just do whatever you want because you're a hardy boy. <laughs> Whisper in the wind to write to censor, and then a double Poe and Moe to write to censor as well. Both yeah. of them stacked up in the corner. Twist of fate leading up to the Swanton Bomb on the Goodfather, but Val Venus, as the referee is distracted, hits the money shot on Jeff as he's pinning mm -hmm. the other member. And I swear to God, man, there's a lot of places where you want to get Val Venus doing, yeah, the money. Well, it's a horrible move to take. Because I've, I've heard in podcasts and stuff that top rope splashes flips they're the worst because the momentum that your body gains mm. just means that like it's going to be a fucking sore one well especially with Val as well he splays his limbs out as well so they're not even breaking as much of the impact as you would normally get yeah it's splash, like the abdomen like, is out there yeah and he lands right on the back of Jeff's fucking shoulder and mm -hmm. neck it's like Ugh! very very sore right to censor a win though after the match Val Venus with his mad eyes and I just wrote down steroid rage Simon Pegg <laughs> <laughs> he really hates episode one. He's going to like rip down the set like that's a <laughs> decent enough match, but I think um, decent was all I could say about it. Yeah, decent. I think if this was maybe earlier in the card, we would have been fans of it more. But just there was simply better tag matches tonight. That's also, as well, right to censor in like fucking four segments tonight. Yeah, what a and, useful group. Yeah, and a lot of very typical right to censor interference. Like this, this ending of this match was just the most fucking phoned in typical right to censor ending you can. Kind of, it, it is. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just the match never really came together for me. I guess. No. Backstage, Edge and Christian, and Christian's got a sore tummy. No, he didn't eat any bad nuts. Literally. No, he just <laughs> he hurt himself going through the table. They're backstage with Kurt. Edge has got 
a leather short sleeve shirt with all the buttons open and leather pants on. <laughs> Is he going to go do an acoustic set in a wine bar after this? He looks fucking dodgy. That's how I imagine Brian Christopher dresses in like day-to-day life, you know. That's how I imagine vampires dress in day-to-day <laughs> life. They're basically saying that, look, Kurt, you know, we're, we've kind of been beaten up a fair bit tonight. Mm. We can't help you out. And Kurt's like, if I went to a table, I'd help you guys. I'd cheat for you. Unbelievable. So Kurt has to run off again. Backstage, Undertaker shadow boxes in a hallway through an NHS hospital. <laughs> Imagine during this bit when he's walking down that the. <laughs> and he sees Chris Benoit. He's like, hey, I'm going to see you in the wrestling match tonight. <laughs> and the Eradicals are jumping backstage. Yeah. All four. Alan Smackdown too. And yeah, they, they work on the leg of The Undertaker. We were very excited. I was like, on the drive here, I'm like, oh yeah, we've got Taker and Benoit on this one time. Yeah. Like, what? Hey. That's, that's a unique pairing. It's good that they work the legs so that Benoit can capitalise later on with the crippler cross leg as well, you know, his, <laughs> his famous move. But I love this now. The story of this match is Booger Benoit versus Booger Red. Mm. And Benoit is going to be focusing on that now bum leg of the dead man. And I never expected that going into this match, Benoit would have the advantage and Undertaker would be in an underdog position where it's he's like... really well done. I couldn't name you when I saw Undertaker do this. this it's like really, insane. really awesome, yeah. Particularly American Badass Undertaker would, would at this point, was rarely would ever be kind of show a lot of weakness. You wouldn't see him in this position, no. No, I mean, the closest you get was when Kurt hit him with that big piece of pipe. Crip ass boy! Right, now... Most of you may be watching this on the network, which uh, you know you can check out this this pay per view on. And thankfully, on the network, Roland is is there in its entirety, and yes. you get to live out the you know the nostalgia, the limp biscuit. We'll talk more about it when we actually hear it. But me and Adam were watching my DVD version of this, and they've actually edited over the rolling one quite well, I might add, mm. with the classic booger red. You've done it now. No. You're on made a big mistake. So what it sounds like it's sung by Michael Hayes. <laughs> Do you know that there was a really, really, really creepy guy in my school, right, in my class? Everyone's going to know this. You ever been in a situation where you're in fucking the school or something like that, and there's like two of you who like wrestling, and there's you, and you're fucking grand, and the other guy writes all the lyrics to the American Badass yeah. Undertaker song, all three verses on his pencil case. Ugh. And I remember once looking over as he was doing like badass is always kicking assholes ass and he looked at me so fucking intense and he knew I was a fan. Dead man ink baby. And he had no friends either. It's like oh. mate I could be your fucking friend. Oh. So this this one has got a bit of a weird connotation this song. Yeah. What's bad about it is that I associated with Booger Red lame as shit American flag on the tummy taker. <laughs> Care Bear Undertaker, as he's also known. <laughs> Who helps America after 9-11 come together using his care powers. <laughs> shooting from his American flag tummy. The stars and stripes. Benoit comes out and he says, like, Yeah, I beat you bad backstage. I'm the best technical wrestler. Let's see what you got. You've done it now. You've gone to me for a fucking minute. Nothing. No one's there. No Undertaker. Oh, the music fades away. Benoit's like, oh, well, I'm the winner by default then. I should win. You've done it now. Oh, here we go. You've gone and made a big... No, no still no Undertaker. No. Just the music by himself. <laughs> Benoit then just turns to the referee and is like, so I, I win, I guess. Like, seriously, <laughs> three times? Though. You've done it now. Finally. There he is. And I will admit, if that's rolling, tweet in at a podcast. Let us know if that was okay. Okay, but for us, three you've done it nows. 
killed me. In that me. space, it's fucking hard going. The highlight of this, though, is Undertaker's coming out sans bike because he's got a bum leg. He's, like, limping out. Did you notice the lady in the front row, the blonde lady in the kind of the beige jumper? She was going ape shit. She was going sh- ape shit like Delia Smith at a football match. <laughs> Take her coat out, let's be having you. <laughs> Come on. She was fucking giving it socks. Yeah. I don't think if my mum went to wrestling, this was how she would act <laughs> like, you know? It's fucking brilliant. So, Big Evil, third time's a charm, starts off intense action. Mm. Every strike Benoit throws in this match is to Undertaker's left knee. Yeah. They, awesome. The psychology of this match is spot on. Like, at no point do they ever forget that they're going to be working over the leg, and that's the story they're trying to tell. This match is like a real throwback. It's very unlike anything that would you would have seen on on the show at the time, particularly anything including the Undertaker. Mm. This would like harken back to like an old like NWA Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat type thing, in that they have a story to tell, which is the body part yeah. and the entire match. And it's a lengthy match, one of the longest ones here tonight. It's longer than the main event. This one mm. is them going after they stick Taker's it. leg. Yeah, and it's great because Taker can't do a lot of his signature stuff. He's kind of like just doing moves like he does this like weird press slam at the start because it's kind of all he can kind of manage he does old school but it hurts his leg even more Mm. and these two go outside and just start grunting and brawling the grunting in this match oh my god at one point Undertaker manages to catch Benoit into a big bear hug yeah and Taker's squeezing him and he's grunting so that he can make it stronger and Benoit's like just screaming in agony as well lacrosse face is no back again Undertaker it's this perfect combination of just like it almost harmonizes it's great it's amazing there's loads of reversals as well they're playing off Benoit's like take, like Benoit's just picking up fucking Taker and suplexing him he's reversing Taker's stuff and mm. going back to the knee and even like little things like Benoit knocks Taker down and he's like lying right by the ropes which is usually where people do that thing where they bounce off the ropes and jump onto the yeah. leg and it's great because Taker holds down Benoit's leg mm. so Benoit can't jump. And Benoit then just like tries to stick his other leg and just like buckle Taker's knee. It's like these two are fighting. The struggle you get from this is absolutely spot on. They really sell the idea that it's an actual fight. Taz finally says soup bones. Yeah, there it is. Right, I've used a lot of soup bones. And I've, I've thrown them in the bin, I guess. <laughs> Not that similar to Undertaker's punches. You sure I wasn't saying soup bowls? That's how I always... I always thought it was soup bones. I always thought it was soup bowls. Like, you know, like a big massive bowl coming at you in the face. Like. A bowl of what? Cereal? Soup! Soup! Soup, obviously. What, is it hot and it's going to spill all over you? Yeah, that, well, you, you asked Taz, not me. I'm I thought like, what I think, soup but... bones are like hard, you know, they're the ones that are left over, you boil them for ages so they're all gnarled up. How big are these bones, though? I don't know. Please, someone... Taz, tweet it. Taz! <laughs> at Taz, whatever, seriously, dude, help us out. What the fuck do you mean? Why are women tomatoes? I don't understand. <laughs> Do you call them tomatoes when they're in the UK? That I don't understand. Great calls, however, I will say in this match. I'm making fun of Taz there for soup bones. But, and, you know, a lot of commentary tonight. But during this match where they're focused, they're engaged in this story, the calls by JR and by Taz mm. are fucking awesome. JR is analysing all the holes. Telling you, like, you know, he gets a figure four, gets put in. He's like, that's one of the sorest moves in professional yeah. wrestling. And he's in the center of the ring, which means that if he has to get out of this, he has to reverse it, which means he has to put strain on his leg. Yeah. It reminds me of like when Jerry kind of started doing that recently, where yeah. he really gets into he the, the psychology. Yeah. 
And Taz explains how, like, you know, by working on the legs, he's taking the choke slam out of him to take his arsenal. He hasn't got the strength anymore to do the last ride. Like, that's how commentary should fucking be all I, the I time. I love it. That is, like, some of the best commentary you're going to hear in the edge area was, like, during this match. I mean, yeah. It was really, really great. Good. The figure four is, though, reversed by the Undertaker. He missed a sea of grunts. Gruntalicious definition make Adam go loco. Definitely, if you're a fan of grunts, check this match out because they've yeah. got plenty in store for you. Dim the lights. Benoit goes for Air Canada and he hits it on the leg of the Undertaker. On the knee. He drives his head into someone's knee as an offensive maneuver. Seriously. It's insane. In retrospect, you know, hindsight being 2020, shouldn't have been taking so many knees to the head Definitely there. Definitely not. No, but he goes for the figure four again. And Taker just rolls him up quickly and gets the pin. Now, this pin comes out of nowhere. Taker wins. Everyone is shocked. Mm -hmm. Did you think this was a botch ending? Or do you think this was the kind of the plan? Because it did seem like for a second that it was like, really? It didn't seem like... The reaction to it didn't seem like it was a botch. Like, normally when there's a botch, there's sort of that second of awkwardness where the guys are stood there like, uh, uh... And the referee's like, I'm being fired, aren't I? Yeah, but that didn't really seem to happen here. That just felt like that was the booked ending. Yeah, Benoit goes apeshit at the referee, saying that, like, my shoulders were up. They don't show us replays, which leads me to be a little bit suspicious. But straight away, though, the commentators, JR and Taz, do a fucking tremendous job here. Because JR's like, I, I don't think in his 15-year career The Undertaker has ever used the inside cradle and in won a match. Yeah, it's really good that he didn't shy away from that fact. Because yeah. it is a finish that makes you look a little bit weak. And the fact that JR, like, you know, sells the desperation The Undertaker, that only makes Benoit look even stronger as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's kind of like Benoit kind of didn't expect it. And it was kind of like almost a fluke. And Taker is just like... Proves that he's like just got that little bit more experience, maybe, mm. and that's kind of how he did it. And you know, England don't get to see the choke slam, the last drive, yeah. or the bike, or the cripple crossface for that matter. But like, I will say, probably one of Booger Red American Badass Taker's best matches we've seen on the podcast so I far. I definitely agree with that. And even though I think that you know he wasn't necessarily the driving force behind a lot of it, like I mean, yeah. his selling obviously did go an awful long way. But it I felt mean, like a Benoit match. It, it was definitely a Benoit yeah, match. Yeah. I do just think that maybe, you know, I think my biggest problem with the ending was that no one, like, you know, there wasn't that moment where you get the heat back in front of the UK crowd. Like, mm. you didn't get to the choke slam or the last ride or yeah. a crossface. You didn't get anything. What I have just realised, though, that I think this match kind of can be summed up as is imagine if Shamrock versus The Undertaker all those years ago actually got pulled off in a decent manner. That is the match it should have been. Exactly. Yeah. Shamrock was working From the leg. Backlash the 99, yes, but they, yes, yes. They yes. just didn't gel properly. Yeah. This is the proper version of that match, I think. Because Taker can do this. Mm. You know, he can wrestle Clearly. this kind of style. Yeah. It's nice to see him do something... Because I think maybe with the problem with uh, American Badass Taker is that a lot of the matches became kind of... Boop, 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 and then, you know, it just the kind of the sequence and whatnot, but here it was just a completely unexpected, mm. absolute gem. And for this match alone, I say, check out this pay-per-view. Yeah. Because Benoit versus The Undertaker, how many times has that happened? And just to see Taker in this kind of environment. Very, awesome. very good. It is marred a little bit by, at the ending, the right on the hard camera, there's a big old sign that says, I strongly, and strongly is in red letters, I strongly suggest you release X-Pac. <laughs> Poor Xbox. Yeah, he's going to be sending a letter to Vince McMahon about that pretty soon, I think. Xbox is at home going, shit, I hope no one saw that. <laughs> oh, fuck, man, makes noise. Coming up next, it's our main event for the WWF Championship. Kurt Angle taking on The Rock, taking on Rikishi, taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Taz turns to the camera and says, the title is really likely to change hands. No, it fucking isn't. Fuck's sake, Taz, we're in England. We're in England, mate. Nothing happens. Rikishi comes out, the bad man, wearing his white robe, looking like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 
I think we might as well say it now because it's a little bit out of the way. We watched, we were having a chat last night. You watched the new network special on The Click. Yes. Yeah, we can finally talk about this. Right, now we made, in a previous episode, I'm not sure which one, we made big fucking laughs and fun out of the BSK. The Bone Street crew. Not the big shite cunts, but the Bone <laughs> Street crew. Which was a gathering of gentlemen which seemed to be there to counteract the influence of the clique. And it was like Taker, Yoko, Rikishi. And with a name like that, you know, I always thought it was like a very try-hardy kind of like, don't fuck with us, we're the Bone Street Don't crew. you see Undertaker's tattoo? We're the BSK. But on this Click documentary, Rikishi, I think it was Rikishi anyway, revealed that after all these years, the BSK was about playing bones, dominoes. They basically were a group of guys that liked to play dominoes in the locker room. And then they were like, yeah, we used to just hang out and then things kind of, you know, people started seeing us as a gang and that kind of happened. But I just don't understand. Like, I went from now thinking, like, imagining Taker and Yoko wearing, like, sunglasses sitting on a hallway, like... Throwing bone, human bones at people. <laughs> oh, this is I, oh boy. And now I just think of like a load of old Chinese men yeah. in a smoky room playing dominoes and spitting on the ground. That means that The Undertaker loved dominoes so much that he got that tattoo as a result. Right? Yeah, seriously. So that's finally, after all those years, that's what the Bone Street crew is all about. In retrospect, I'm glad I didn't get that tramp stamp that said, I fucking love go-go's. <laughs> glad I got talked out of that one. Kurt Angle comes out with an amazing look of concern. Mm. I just love that Kurt, like, throughout his entire title reign, looks like he's got irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> he's just so like, oh, fuck, what's going to happen, man, you know? Austin comes out last, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I was like, one of your two people's opinions on this, I thought Austin's pop was bigger. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Now, there's a couple of things about that. I could be reading into this way, way too much. Please stop me if I am. Mm. But Austin did come out second. And also, Austin didn't have a promo earlier in the match. Sorry, earlier in the night, mm. like The Rock did. The people have already had their "It's The Rock" kind yeah. of moment. Austin saved right to the end, it's like the very, that. very end, yeah, for his very first appearance. I think they were almost guaranteeing that Austin was going to get yeah the bigger pop. That uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was Austin that pushed for that as well. Start of the night, yeah. same pops. End of the night, Austin's pop was bigger, yeah. and I think that's just quite and interesting. He, he definitely knows that. Like you listen to po Austin's podcast, and he said before now he's always had this big thing of like you know the bigger guy should come out last, the champion comes out last kind of thing. A crowd maybe a little bit more in the favour of, of Steve Austin. Be that as it may, yeah. things are what they are. I think I'm better than The Rock, but be that as it may. <laughs> Shut up, I am. Hershey the Wonder Dog says so. <laughs> the bell sounds in this fatal four-way matchup. Although it sounds like the bell has been replaced by some spoons. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Clink, clunk, clunk. Big ass ball to start things off. Crowd is fucking hugely into this. Yeah. Austin's running roughshod all over Turt Angle. <laughs> Turt Angle. Cure it. They keep getting called big dogs. Look at all these big dogs here, JR. And Undertaker, he's the big dog. Yeah, this is his yard. That's his yard. If you try him, he'll make you famous. I'm just saying, that is disrespectful. Mm. Constant big spots. They share the ring. I think there's... We had this kind of attempted before. They did like a fatal four-way at Capital Capital Carnage mm. in, the, uh, in the London, 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 London Arena. Arena. Yeah. But I think maybe it's just the speed of the guys or someone else is controlling this one. But it just seems like it's so fluid. Mm. As in Kurt's in the ring getting big spots done onto him by Austin. And then, you know, Rikishi somehow is in there and he's doing big spots with The Rock. There's no kind of like, you go out, I come in. We yeah. got a solid several minutes at the start of just non-stop flow of action. Austin, The Rock, double-team Rikishi as well. Huge... Huge pops 
for these mm. two guys. Yeah. But yeah, they do some double teams on Kishi. Like we get Luthez press to Rikishi, Luthez press to Kurt Angle. Mm. It's great you've got like heels who can kind of take all these moves and Rikishi is so fucking quick. Yeah, his selling is phenomenal, Rikishi. I love it. Rikishi actually takes you know the clothesline that we always see him take the big, big kind of, flip. Big, big fucking smack and he flips all around. But like here, Austin just taps him and he still does this mad yeah, flip. It's without amazing. any seeming momentum or anything, you can just do it on the spot. I don't think the heels get like any offense in this match. I don't think Rikishi gets no. a single fucking move in. Very little. But it's it's not that kind of night, is it? Well, it's an England show, you know. They're yeah. here to see The Rock and Austin. People's elbow by The Rock to Rikishi, but Kurt Angle breaks up the pin. And then, yes, Rock and Austin end up clearing the ring. Yeah, they do that thing where I think Rock and Austin have done this quite a few times. Of like, they clear all the space out and then they turn around and they're like, Oh, it's you. And who the big, hell who the hell are you doing here? The intense stare down, and then it always comes down to those big, massive right hands that they do. I'd argue that like trading right hands, Rock and Austin are a better team at that than anyone else. Definitely. They do those big massive swing all the way back and fast and they they've just got the timing on it down spot on. And they have you two guys that are basically showing you, you know, the crux of why the editor was so successful. Yeah. Two guys nuclear fucking reactions it's fucking impossible two guys that you're like you, you, you could sit down and you would do I'd say a hundred million surveys mm. of a million fans and it would come up 50-50 every time yeah. like, who's, the, who's the top guy and I genuinely think as much as Austin will put it out there and The Rock will put it out there I genuinely think these guys were on completely even footing at this mm. point in 2001 right now it's an even spot, right now yeah. earlier definitely was Austin's time but mm. I think here these two are sharing that mantle and it's obvious here when they face off Austin gets the stunner, but Angle breaks it up. Everyone just starts trying to pin The Rock because Austin's done the stunner on him. Mm. And then The Rock hits the rock bottom on Steve. But Rikishi pulls the referee out of the ring. And then we get an amazing Olympic slam by Kurt Angle to yeah. The Rock. He's gigantic. The Rock does a cartwheel in midair, basically. <laughs> it's incredible. But a big kick out. And then Edge and Christian appear, which begins Jim Ross's 20 minutes of incensed anger. Edge and Christian coming out here. They're like brothers to Kurt Angle. It makes me sick. <laughs> Jesus, Jim. Here comes Triple H, that lousy, no, no good son of a bitch. <laughs> How the hell is he even from this same planet? Really hear the venom in his voice. Rock bottom to Rikishi, but Edge and Christian stop the pin and start mm. beating up on the rock outside. The Rikishi, Rikishi then eats a stunner. And then the fucking radicals come out. Yeah, Kurt didn't even ask them. He asked Benoit, but not those Benoit guys. Benoit sent his bannermen yeah. you know, to uh, fight on behalf of House Benoit. Like. House Benoit. Toothless aggression would be their words, I there guess. You you know? yeah. Kurt's obviously very popular. He's got yeah. a lot of mates. Yeah, he's got plenty of buddies to back him up. Olympic slam to Rikishi. Kurt Angle manages to win. Yeah. Rikishi eats three finishers, which is kind of pretty cool. But it's like kind of, mate, you don't need to look at the man who's made no offense in this match look strong. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can really do that. A bit interfery. I'm happy that Kurt won again. And he won like, you know, with, because of opportunism. And you know, mm. it was his move that put away Rikishi. I like that. Kurt getting kind of, you know, a win where he's aware of the fact that he's won almost. And you yeah. know what I mean? Benoit then runs out and we just have the Austin The Rock clearing the ring of all the bad guys. You know, that's why there's like 10 dudes out here. The house show ending. Like I expected Earl Hebner to start coming out and drinking beers with them. <laughs> Sadly, we didn't get that. We get like six minutes of Austin Rock drinking beers. Post-show shenanigans, yeah. Expecting him to start singing Margaritaville. Oh, that was great. What are you on about? I was hoping this like, that's kind of like how buddy-buddy they were here though, you know? <laughs> Great match. Yeah. It was what you know. It was a big spot fest. Send the crowd home happy. 
this is the kind of match you need to have on a show like this, mm. I think. It was fun as fuck. I just want to say, feel free to cut this out if I'm misremembering it, but can you please include the audio of JR after Angle has won? Because I never expected that a random four-man main event at a show in England would be where you hear JR at his angriest ever. The Rock and Austin fighting on the outside with Radical! He's actually losing his voice with anger. I, I love that. I, that's what I love from JR. Passion. I love the passion, mm -hmm. the anger. And fuck me sideways, Rebellion 2000, out of nowhere, was a really fun show. Great show, yeah. It was actually the best UK show, I think. Yeah. This is one which I remember a lot of people watching as a kid, a lot of people really enjoyed it. It has held up. You got the network, and you're, people are always kind of going, like, oh, what's it? It's a good random what show. Watch network, kind of, yeah. Not a show that I need to know loads of story for, or maybe a show that I need to watch in sequels and something else. Mm -hmm. uh, Rebellion 2000 yeah. is your friend, people. You can watch it without context, completely isolated by itself, and still enjoy it. Like, the worst matches on this were still okay or good. Yeah. You know? And you've got a couple of real barn burners in here as well. Absolutely. Particularly Taker and Benoit, that opener, and Blackman and, and Perry Saturn. Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, Rebellion was a good show to show you an alternative side of some of the wrestlers. Like, you see Undertaker in a position you don't normally see him in. You see Crash Holly getting to do flip to do's and stuff without using weapons, you know? Uh, you get to see Steve Blackman, you know, making a spectacle with Perry Saturn because they can work well with each other. You get to hear Taz way. on commentary as well. You get to hear Taz doing some commentary, yeah. Yeah, so all in all, fucking amazing show. Great variety show, yeah. But out of all the UK shows, looking back now as we are, would you say there's any kind of favourite? Would this take it for you? I think this just edges it out, yeah. I think so as well. Uh, I think, was it Rebellion 99? Or? Rebellion 99 was had Bulldog Where's My Title Shot. Yeah, that was a great show as well. There, was some, there were a few clunkers, but it was yeah. mad. That was me and Vince McMahon screaming fuck you to the British Bulldog <laughs> in the main event like, so beans were thrown, what can I say? You know? I, I think we've seen, for the, for the most part, I've been pleasantly surprised by the UK pay-per-views. We got yeah. off to a very bad start with the first couple, but it soon smoothed out and became a bit of a decent affair. I wish it was the kind of thing they'd bring back. I know they never will nowadays. I think they always were, I think from this point on, I, I would consider it almost something of a turning point for these UK shows, because they all, even during like 2002, 2003, when I thought the product was maybe suffering a little bit, particularly on the Raw side of things, these shows were still entertaining because yeah. they were able to have a little bit of fun, but because it was being recorded, they still took it seriously to an extent, and they still put in a bit of work. We don't get those anymore. We just get our Raw and SmackDown in the UK. Yeah, and I'm like, whenever WWE comes to town, that's your choice now. You go to a house show or you go and see Raw. I would a million times rather go to see this weird bizarro world painting yeah. where nothing's quite right, everything's a little bit off. Nothing's quite as it seems. Yeah, right. but I think that's more fun and a bit more variety. I'm know? a bit worried now if we go and see wrestling here in the UK with WWE, Vince McMahon's just going to go, come on, cheer! You English! Loosen up, goddammit! It's a <laughs> Smackdown taping, huh? Come on! <laughs>
<laughs> 60 minutes. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Attitude Podcast bonus edition. It's been amazing recapping the English pay-per-views. What are your favourite English pay-per-view moments which we've recapped and recovered? There's been some highs and lows. You want to tweet in? Let us know. The best way to keep in touch is at AE Podcast on Twitter. Where we also live tweet Raw, SmackDown, NXT specials, pay-per-views. Just hearing our thoughts on the day-to-day product. Also as well, be sure you check out facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast where you can take part in fan polls, interactivity, spoofs and goofs. If you've got any fan art you want to send over there, check it out. Or you can always message us, get in touch directly. Go ahead to youtube.com forward slash AE Podcast and what you'll find on there is a few little video clips of some of our favourite moments from the podcast. If you haven't got the time to do something like that though, you want to check out our Vine account which is linked to the Twitter AE Podcast. On there you've got loads of little six second spoofs and goofs such as the Taz clip I talked about earlier is the F5 loud. <laughs> Go on and Vine it, at AE Podcast and check that my out. My favourite one as well which is the rock on that shitty VHS transfer code. If, if you, you smile <laughs> Real life pooping. <laughs> And don't forget to go, if you like stuff and things, to check out botchamania.com. We're also featured on there. And if you're into something a bit more literal, go to Calling Spots, which is a really nice wrestling fanzine that's been running for two years now. Yeah, it's been running almost as long as this podcast it's been running long enough to release a nice hardback edition of some of their previous articles and obviously Kevin's quite a regular contributor to it as well and I've done a few illustrations in the past it's a really good read definitely and if you want to give back to this podcast monetarily and help support us keep this sucker running and help us out with the various costs etc of meeting up to record this sucker head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com where we have got our own t-shirt store now Ooh. as it stands we've got an Anatera podcast logo tee they're all available for $20 new designs will be added incrementally if you've got any designs you might want us to see or to put up get in touch let us know we've got a few ideas kicking around hopefully there'll be a where's my title shot one or I swear to God or things of that nature any ideas let us know folks but ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash AE podcast support us directly by checking out and getting a t-shirt there don't forget to check out selfie.com forward slash AE podcast where you can find some of our commentary tracks basically on there you go and you watch something like say Beyond the Mat or Wrestling with Shadows sync it up with our commentary and you can hear us chatting about the film as we watch it yeah it's fantastic also if you're looking for you know kind of more serious things talking about the product Adam and I have done a commentary track on the CM Punk best in the world also hear thoughts in the Montreal Screwjob if you listen back with the Wrestling with Shadows documentary which is available to watch free on the Canadian Film Board website still to this day and for some more serious discussion you can hear us on our thoughts on the Scooby-Doo Wrestlemania mystery who did steal the title championship from WWE City Stone Age (laughs) Smackdown as well is up there as well thanks everyone to support the podcast so far though if you've bought a commentary track or purchased a t-shirt or spread this through word of mouth leaving a rating or review on iTunes as well you help us out so so much we reach this audience because of people like you so it's a big thank you from us on that front but that's going to do it for Rebellion 2000 it's a goodbye from me Kevin and me Adam and we'll catch you next time at Armageddon 2000 the end is near the end is near